welcome to Fan Fuel. Uh, this is a podcast where fans feel talk about motorsport. And today we've got a big show about the wrapping up of the three national series in NASCAR. So, um, I mean, let's get into it. My name's Alex. I'm joined as always by Colton Cranmore, Jared DeKaiser, and in NASCAR. Get into it. My name's Alex. Nathan. I'm joined as always by Colton Cranmore, Jared DeKaiser. Uh, somebody has the stream on, so they can turn that, that, that off. That, that was me. I, I was going to share it on Facebook, and it just started going. All right. Well, Jared out here trying to get everybody here in there twice. Um, so first off, before we get started, I do want to say everybody else's background game is going fucking hard. Um, look at Colton's background. He's got some new stuff on the wall. That's from the 2016 Bank of America 500, um, uh, a pit. Uh, garage sign that may or may not have come into his possession legally. Um, Nathan has has got some um, some wall art that he had been posting about on Twitter today. He finally got that stuff put up. I love the Daytona 500 pennant myself. And then look at Jared. He's not even in NASCAR mode. It, it took him at least zero hours after Phoenix was done to take all the Kyle Busch shit down, and he's got all his Ravens gear. How's it going tonight, guys? Oh, it's going. I, I actually, uh, not going to lie, I actually put this stuff out, up after Martinsville. So I, it's football season now. So it's nice to go to sleep looking at my quadru- quadruplet of my four favorite current Ravens players right now. So it's football season. If you can't tell, I am a Baltimore Ravens fan. As you can see, if you didn't figure that out, then you don't watch football. But yeah. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Nathan, Colton? I'm good. I'm still quarantined for COVID. Cheyenne's had COVID. I uh, actually got quarantined last Thursday. I'm going to go back to work till Monday. So we spent a couple days earlier this week completely rearranging the house, thus the office. Um, and now I am bored out of my absolute mind. So, awesome. Yeah. All I've done this week is spend about an hour putting those into the frames. Um, just put them up now. I was going to put them on the wall behind me, both of them, but they didn't fit. So one of them had to go over there. So I chose a blue one because it, it shows up better from further away. So I've been waiting for those in the mail for like three weeks and they finally came last week. So this is probably like the last pieces of wall art I'm ever going to get because now I'm set. All right. Bet. So if anyone cares, I, uh, I like flags. I don't have enough. Uh, I've I only got flags. like five flags. Um, so I've been rotating them every month. Uh, if you want to send me some flags, DM me on Twitter. I'll take them willingly. Um, but back to the show. Uh, let's get into it. I mean, we had three races, four if you count the ARCA West Series uh, conclusion. But um, I don't think any of us were uh, able to or, I guess, wanted to watch that, honestly. Um, let's start off with the trucks. I mean, Lucas Oil 150, it's been the truck race there on Friday for years and years and years. But in the last two years, it's crowned a champion. Was it a worthy championship race? I don't know. I didn't watch. I thought the race was all right. Um, you know, it wasn't like crazy exciting. It was just your typical truck race. You know, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of stories. I didn't think it was a bad race, but hey, I mean, some races have to be normal. Yeah, I thought it was more of a 
cleaner race than your normal truck series race. I know like Martinsville was not the best race. And, you know, you could have seen that you could, you could possibly like write it up saying that going into that race, you could see something like that happen, you know, maybe on a late restart, you could see someone make it four or five Y and just absolutely wreck the entire field, which that wouldn't have surprised me at the, like in the slightest if that actually happened, but we actually saw a pretty clean race from start to finish. So that was actually pretty nice to see that, especially after last week for them to follow it up like that. That's, that was a lot better than previous weeks. Yeah. I know we talked last week about the, the, uh, the, not the Kentucky, the uh, Knoxville race and, and Martinsville being pretty much crash fist and looking kind of embarrassing on that series. I guess they either got a reprimand from NASCAR in the driver's meeting, or maybe they didn't. Um, and they just cleaned up their act seeing that it was the championship finale. Um, but I guess we all thought it was going to be a caution fest, and a couple other guys did too. Uh, uh, apparently, the four truck team did too. Um, so John Hunter Nemechek had um, a problem, and he got a lap down, and they chose not to take a wave around during the middle of the race. And even though they were the fastest truck, it they um, – they came in for tires and I just did not get back on the lead lap. And that could have potentially costed them a championship. Do you guys feel that that's a correct statement? Yeah. When, when was that, that he didn't take the wave around? Oh, that was early in the race. So like lap, I think he blew a tire like five or 10 laps into the race. And because someone got into him on the first corner and damaged his left side, the tire went down, yeah. he comes in the pits. He's running around there. I think at the end of stage one is when he chose not to do the wave around. So, I mean, at, at that point early in the race, you can't – I see that more of just a strategy call that didn't play out than I do, like, a stupid move. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, early enough in the race, they're expecting it to be kind of a caution fest, get those tires kind of start to get on a normal cycle again rather than take the wave around and be stuck behind on the lead lap, um, but kind of on an off cycle for them. Um, so I don't think that was necessarily a bad move. It just didn't play out the way that they envisioned it, obviously. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think it was terrible at the time, but in hindsight, I definitely think they should have done that because right. they had a quick enough truck to where if they were on old tires for the start of stage two, they probably would have held their own. I don't think they would have gone a lap down again, even with the older tires, because once they did get back on the lead lap in stage three, they drove all the way up to like seventh or eighth, and their car had like something wrong with the suspension, something was completely broken, and they were still the quickest truck by a mile. So I don't, I don't think they would have had problems on old tires. Yeah, I just agree on that, that you can't really do anything about that. It's unfortunate it happened, but he'll be back next year. I think now that he learned, I think they learned a lot this year, and it's kind of, I guess that's pretty good that he's going to be back next year to compete. Yeah, it was a um, it was a pretty procedural race, as you guys said. And really, other than that, um, nothing, nothing spectacular happened. Um, we did wind up with a decent run at the end where um, uh, Ben Rhodes – made a pass with, I think, five to go to win the championship. And, I mean, what happened off the track was more, I guess, eventful than what happened on. Um, let's just, I guess, take a moment to just realize how glorious Ben Rhodes' interview and post-race was. Uh, he was a couple of uh, chalky milks in, I think. <laughs> oh, man, that was awesome. Uh <laughs> Coming from a guy who loves his chalky milks, um, it was it was really it it was unprofessional. Yes, um, however, the kid just won a championship. Obviously, he's celebrating with his crew. 
they're going to party. The party had just started at that point. Um, I mean, I thought it was awesome. And it got people talking about it. Um, people know who Ben Rhodes is now because of that, because people shared it and said, oh, look at this drunk NASCAR driver, <laughs> hillbilly, in his interview. And it, it was it was pretty cool to watch. I mean, it was entertaining at very least. Yeah, I'll agree with I'll agree with that. Like, I definitely Ben Rhodes kind of was kind of I feel like kind of forgotten throughout the season because he won a couple races earlier in the season and was kind of like just there. And then like you know we get into the last race, I'm like oh I forgot I completely forgot Ben Rhodes is in the championship four. And then he goes out and wins it and has that. And I think yeah, it was unprofessional, but it was also he didn't put he didn't cross any lines really. So like it got people talking about that. His sponsors might see that and be like hey. He, he just won a championship. That's maybe that'll help him a lot next for moving into next season. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I thought it was inter- it was entertaining. Um, like I yeah. said, just his best friend was Bud or something. I don't know what he said, but he went on this like yeah. tangent that was just incoherent. No one knew what he was trying to say. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, it was kind of a. a just 180 for a lot of fans that that name Ben Rhodes seemed to have been one you know synonymous with dirty moves or what have you for the last couple of seasons a lot of people actually don't like Ben Rhodes um very aggressive race car driver he's done some really um I guess not professional driving uh as of late with, with turning some cars and, and wrecking people, uh, you know, mm, Charlotte, like that. yeah. Um, and, and everybody loves him now. Uh, he is, uh, like you guys said, epitomized that drunk redneck kind of persona that, that NASCAR is, but I, I, I think it was fine. You know, you gotta think you're in Phoenix. It's hot. Yeah, it is nighttime. So it's a little bit cooler. Um, you just ran a race. Your body fluids are pretty much gone. And instead of replenishing with water, you're going to get a lot drunker um, if you were trying to replenish with alcohol. Well, and that's he, what he did. He did drink water in the interview. Yeah, when they when they forced him. No, he had a Bud Light. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, then they, they got into the sunny weather. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, this, this is not the first time we've seen something like this. Uh Way, way back in 2012, almost 10 years ago now, it's just crazy, um, Brad Keselowski took that big mug that we saw on Sunday night. Miller Lite, uh, yeah. And just chugged a couple Millers in in, uh, in Victory Lane. And then I remember his uh, Dave Despain interview um, on, on Wind Tunnel that night. And it was it was hilarious because he was so buzzed. His eyes was glazed over and he couldn't. <laughs> You couldn't speak. It was just, you know what? Let people be happy. Let them let them celebrate how they want to celebrate, as long as nobody else is getting harmed. Um, so moving right on from the trucks, let's get into the Xfinity Series race. Uh, just before we get into some of the major points, how did you guys view the Xfinity race? Because um, I've got some opinions about that. Didn't watch it. I actually watched the whole, I watched the whole race start to finish and like like we've been saying all year the Xfinity series is the premier series of NASCAR this year and I'm glad that it got the Saturday night primetime spot 
But overall, I thought it was a pretty good race ran throughout. There was a lot of comers and goers. John Hunter Nemechek looked good earlier in the race. And at, at one point, I thought, you know what's going to happen? I made a, I made this prediction before the race. I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if John Hunter Nemechek wins the race, Daniel Hamrick finishes second, and then wins the championship that way? It's like I was thinking that was going to happen, and it was actually looking like that was going to happen for the longest time. But I think John Hunter just had, like, his car just kind of faded off there towards the end of the race, but I thought overall it was pretty good. There's a lot of cautions there at the end, which was kind of getting annoying, but it, at the end, it was actually like the finish that NASCAR wanted. It was, a, it was a real good finish, like, you know, take the format playoffs and stuff away. Like, that was a really good finish in my books. And it, like Daniel Hamrick, good for him. He won the championship. I don't think he did it i don't think he really made like it wasn't really a dirty move you made it he did what he had to do but overall i just thought that was pretty exciting and like i said take the format and everything away it was a real exciting race start to finish yeah i, I thought it was probably one of the better of the three i do think the cup race was pretty good as well it just didn't have the you know door banging finish that xfinity did but the racing itself wasn't that bad I don't know. For me, I really thought it was the worst race of the, the three. I thought that the cautions really made that race suck ass. Yeah. And and for Phoenix, which is a racetrack that has, you know, very good potential if there's long runs, I mean, there was no good strategy plays. And, and I thought, really, honestly, there wasn't very good racing. Um, obviously, our opinions are going to differ on that with uh, what Jared and Nathan just said. But I thought some of the racing was pretty much, you know, non-existent most of the night. Um, and you know, you come to the final restart and you have a good green white checkered and people clamor about how great the race is, how great the Xfinity package is. But I mean, to be honest, that race kind of blew. And the only reason that it is, um, I guess redeemable was because we had a side-by-side -side finish. And I really wish that some fans would take into account the other, uh, 99% of a race rather than the last lap, um, just from my perspective. Uh, but we saw a lot of different stuff during that race. I know I jotted a bunch of notes down um, on Saturday. One of my first notes that I jotted down was there was an uncontrolled tire in Noah Gregson's second or third pit stop. Maybe it was in stage two, but I think it was maybe it's been stage three, um, where they lost control of the tire. It exited the pit box and was not too, too far from the car, but still not in the concrete pad. It was on the asphalt pit road. What do you guys think about that? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the consistency of the pit calls because you'll see tires, the right side tires in particular, kind of roll away. Um, they'll roll away, and you'll sometimes see it call. Sometimes you won't. So I don't even know if it's woke or joke because with NASCAR, you can never really tell what is and what isn't anymore. Jared, what do you got? Yeah, okay. I don't know. That's it's one of those toss-up things. You know, there are pit road calls and pit officiating has just been inconsistent throughout all three series this whole year. So like I thought the role was like it had to be like within reach of it, and it did not look like it was like in reach considering like the Jackman had to go over and get it for him. So I don't know. That's it's a toss-up call. It didn't really affect anything for him because like Noah just wasn't he just didn't have the speed there. He just wasn't there towards the end. So yeah, that's my opinion on that one. I don't know. It so, just, to me, it was outside yeah. of the pit box. Yeah. Why was I mean, it not a call? I saw the replay of it, um, and this just goes back to, I mean, like we've said a couple times already on here, um, NASCAR has different rules for different drivers in different situations. Um, the tire issue at Kansas was a big one. Um, Chase Elliott's bumper cover hanging off. Now this one. Um, NASCAR always has 
gray areas and all the rules specifically for this, it seems like. Um, nothing seems to be completely black and white. Um, and, I mean, being that it was the same guy that last year on Chase Elliott's team jumped off the wall way too early and reset as if that was ever a fucking thing before, um, I don't know. It's it's weird, yes. Am I surprised? No, because NASCAR, like I said, always makes up different rules depending on who's going to be affected and what their season is looking like at the time. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I, I mean, you know, looking at it from a like sporting code type deal, um, people always complain about the NFL referees not being consistent. We saw that this past weekend as a Saints fan. That is just something that I have to fucking deal with every time they get on the field. I just I, I, I don't understand why no one is calling out NASCAR in some of these instances, but but they are in others. Um, so it, it might just be a fan favorite type deal. They know that they can get away with certain stuff because I, I think Noah Gregson is a fan favorite when it comes to the Xfinity Series. So oh, yeah. um, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, we've got a couple more um, inter- interesting no and called penalties um, during during this weekend as well as um, in our Woker Joke segment a little bit later. But I did want to say something um, on the consistency of NASCAR. Um, that first caution for the number 48 of Jay Buford, he spun behind the field and kept rolling. What do you guys think about them throwing oh, a for that? Because oh. that was the cataclysm. I, started I, the bullshit. I, I remembered that. I was like, like he spun, they didn't throw the caution, he started getting rolling, and then they threw the caution. I'm like, really? Right. You're gonna throw a caution for that? He's literally right by Pit Road. He's he's perfectly fine. Why did we have to why did we have to throw a caution for that? Like I was actually kind of upset about that because it just ruined the whole flow of everything that was going on at the moment. And that what's, was kind of the, the what's next setting. Is that I can't even count on one hand how many times NASCAR has done that this year. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to say about that. Um, we hadn't had a caution up at that point. That that stage was going to play out and be a little bit better than the other ones because, like I said, Phoenix is a racetrack that needs time to develop good runs to have good racing, and that was the caution that caused the whole cataclysm to have the eight cautions that came behind it, and the reason that we we still finished under a, a green-white checkered. Yeah, and that Buford guy was in, like, three of them, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. he was. He really was. I'm like, is that's a 48 car, and he spun and, like, wrecked or whatever. Like, I'm like, at that point, just go home. Like, you're not, you're running, like, 30th. Like, get out of here. You're just causing unnecessary cautions and ruining, the, ruining it. And if you remember, his first race this season was the Xfinity race at Homestead, Miami. And the only reason that I know his name is because he – did the same sort of thing and caused a caution to kind of ruin the flow of that race during stage three as well. Um, we got to do some better vetting for some of these guys. Um, I don't know how we do that because it's a money driven sport nowadays rather than a talent. driven. I mean, so, okay. I'll be fair. Like I get it. I don't think his talent is an issue. Like I, he's like a multi-time like SCCA champion, all that kind of stuff. Like he, he does, he got there more, more so than the guys that just show up, you know, they get in the late model racing because they have money. Like he did, he at least did something before he got to NASCAR. The only problem is, like Dale Jr. says in the booth, he said that this guy is always one of the hardest lap cars to lap because he doesn't seem to know what's going on. You know, he's always either in the way or he's just completely, it's like he's unaware. Like there's always people say, hey, if you need to be a good lap car, you got to know what's going on in your mirror too. And he never does. So, yeah. So I'm wondering yeah. if that is, if 
that is, you said he's a multi-time SCCCA champion. Is he's that a, a problem because that he's never been in a situation where he's been the car that is getting lapped? I mean, you're talking about road course racing. Yeah, they do I some club just, circuits and stuff like that. Like, 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 I mean, no but you have to be aware to be a winning winning race car driver, right? But he's just but if not, you're not in those. Go ahead. I was saying he's just. I, I do think it's just un like some teams they're just not aware. You know, some are selectively like that, and like Ryan Newman is probably like the biggest example of just choosing to not care about the lap the cars lapping him. But I, I don't know. Like it's it's got to be annoying if you're a leader and you have a guy that you don't know what lane he's gonna be in until you get there, and it's like I don't know what to do with this guy. You know. Well, see, that's the difference between. I guess the talent that I'm talking about is like you just brought up Ryan Newman and said that he's kind of forcefully in the way. He's not. He only does that when he's about to get lapped for the first time. Otherwise, he's predictable and he gets out of the leader's way. Um, that is a feasible thing to do. But these guys, like we talked about, the Rick Ware car has always been in the way. They're always doing something wrong when, you know, they should not be in that area or they should stick to an area to get lapped. And that's what happened. Yeah. Um, I think he's the one that ruined Noah Gragson's chance of winning at Homestead this that year. That was David Starr. Oh, it was David Starr? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, whatever happened to him, like he kind of just like something broke on the car and he's like, okay, cool. I will say I do have more, and I wouldn't say respect, but I understand Jade Buford being tough to lap more so than I do um, Josh Balicki, Cody Ware, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Because, A, it's a different series. It's not the Cup Series where you're pouring millions and millions of dollars into it. Um, you, you have a lot more smaller market teams in the Xfinity Series, and he's racing for one of those smaller market teams. He needs every spot he can get, and if that means holding up the leader for an extra two laps, so be it. Um, Grant, I don't think it's – I think you need to be more aware. Um, but, I mean, he's coming from a, a background where he, he has talent. He has a ton of experience racing. Um, he's not like the, the Quinn house and the Brandon Jones who just have money and pay their way in. Um, so I'm not, I don't like to be as hard on guys like that as I do, um, the guys who are exclusive pay to plays and who are constantly getting in the way. Um, I mean, I, I respect Jade Buford for it. Yeah. Um, well, see, that's what uh, – what was that guy that had um, had wrecked someone at the uh, Roval? He was in the 52 car. Um, I can't oh, think uh, of his name. Joey Hand. Joey yeah. Hand, yes. Well, he's hey, now he's that, an a champion. Like, right. That guy's won, like, the Rolex 24. He's won Le Mans. I mean, he's well, not yeah, wrecked Martin Truex. Yeah, he wrecked Martin Truex. So, I think My it was Brett Griffin that said that they shouldn't have their first NASCAR starts in this – and in the playoffs or whatever, but yeah. you know, for that to happen, okay, he knows what he's doing. Obviously, um, why is Jade not in the same sort of situation, or how is he in the same sort of situation this far down the line? You know, he's had he's had starts all season. He should be good now. It's not just that first series start. He's after like a paycheck. You don't give a shit about the playoffs. He's after a paycheck. As opposed to Joey Han, he's won everything he can already win except for in NASCAR and IndyCar, right? Right. He's got a reputation. Um, Jade Buford needs one. And if it if it means his reputation is being the guy that's super hard to pass, so be it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Makes sense. 
Jared, yeah, before we move on, I just wanted to make the point out the comment. Like, as much as we can say this race was good and the feel good stories and everything, I feel like this was like the most cliche ending that NASCAR wants with this playoff format. I mean, you have a green white checkered coming to the finish, and you got the underdog who has never won a race, win the race, the championship, his first career race, all that stuff. And they're going to look at this film like, hey, this is what this playoff is all about. So, unfortunately, that's what we're going to get shoved in our face like when it comes to that and now no. you know next year if it's not even anything close to that to be like hey 2021 they had this finish with daniel hamburg winning so anything could happen in the playoffs so that's that's the unfortunate nature of what happened this weekend and that's the storyline we're going to be stuck with because i don't think this format's changing here anytime soon yeah and it's interesting um when you put it in that kind of perspective because this is what they want and it fuels a fire that I think most of us don't want, which is right. this playoff system. And that's just something we talk about every single week. And I think it gets tiring because we we may think we know best, but when we look at other motorsports, I think we know we know best because we're the only ones with a playoff. So yeah. when you bring up Daniel Hemrick, though, I did want to kind of put this in the, in, in the, the conversation tonight. And, you know, he won the championship after not winning a single race in NASCAR for, I think, 287 starts. And he has raced full seasons in trucks, in Cup, and Xfinity. But the only caveat is he's been in every Xfinity Final Four um, when he's been a part of the full season. I mean, what do you guys think of him getting his first win also capturing a championship? Is that really worthy of a championship trophy, or is this just more NASCAR – uh, I guess, propaganda. Well, honestly, I, I do believe that if we, you know, we're people that don't like playoffs and we want like a full season format, then I do think that being a winless champion is very possible in a full season format. Austin Dillon did this in the Nationwide Series in 2013 without a win. Um, I believe that if he took playoffs away from the 2018 Xfinity Series Championship, Hemrick would have won that against a guy who won like nine races, which is crazy. So... I don't have a problem with winless drivers winning a championship in like a full season format. I just think that when you put it in this perspective, you know, he wasn't, he was like fourth in points all year. So I wouldn't say that he was the right champion this year. He just kind of, he just, he, he got there and that was it. So I don't know. So, I mean, does that go ahead, Colton? Uh, I've heard a few people, um, Guys that I know well enough, actually, uh, one of the guys that was on here last week, one of the Smith brothers, commented on the post that I shared about say no to foe. Don't watch this. We hate playoffs. At least I do, right? Um, and the ratings over the past few years have shown that as well, that most NASCAR fans do not like this. And this is the reason why. If you compare this to any local short track racing, which is where I hear a bulk of the, the pro playoff comments come from, is people who, A, either don't watch NASCAR on a complete weekly basis, or B, aren't huge NASCAR fans, at least in the past 10 years, who just recently got into it or got back into it. Um, compare this to a short track race. Let's say that we're racing late models and some dude who has never won the entire season, has never won a single stock car race at that track, comes out and just so happens to win the final race and take the championship. Do you think people in the pits are going to be pissed? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, because yeah. someone like Brett Yackey, who has won 19 races this year, and Chris Eggleston, who's won 22 of them, 
um, lost out on the championship well, to this guy, right? right? I mean, if you break it down into any other form of motorsport, it doesn't make sense, and it would rightly I, so piss the people off. I got a point here, though. I do think you're right to criticize the playoffs. I just don't think this is the way to do it because winless champions – they can happen in a full season format. They, they can, can happen. But how likely? Okay, but, but possibility likely. is very, 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 right. very It's slim. very slim. But I'm just saying that, like, I do think that Hemrick was the wrong champion this year. He was, like, fifth in points or whatever. So no, I, I think we're right on that regard. I just don't know to say that he's bad for not winning because, yeah. you know, this stuff can this stuff can happen if the right dominoes fall. Right. I agree. And had Joe Schmo run second every single week or Daniel Hemrick run second every single week, um, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. But we haven't seen him do that. We've seen him be competitive at several races. We haven't seen him close the deal any time other than now. And even at that, he had to beat Van Doors to get there. He didn't, you know, smoke the field by a quarter of a lap. Right. And I think what's interesting, um, you brought up the short track kind of ordeal. Being a part of different short track racing, um, you know, pretty much my whole life, they do – have gimmicks at short tracks. They really do. They have bounties that they put out on drivers and stuff like that. But when it comes to season long point championships or um, seasonal championships, if it were, because, you know, some people um, who own racetracks put on championships for the spring, summer and fall races, not just, you know, you know, from the time the track opens in the spring till the last race, they, they, they only do stuff like double points nights or dual feature nights or, you know, Stuff like that. They never reset anything to have this sort of knockout stuff because no one thinks it's legitimate, especially the guys that go out there and put on the show. I don't know why we, as you know, drivers of the sport, can say nothing to NASCAR just because they pay our checks. Because at the end of the day, if we the superstars don't show up, you know, I'm I'm putting myself as a driver, but you know, just theoretical. Um, they have no product to put on track. And I don't know why we can't, you know, see the drivers do that. Um, but, you know, for me, this doesn't make sense from a Hemrick perspective because he wasn't the best. And it just feels empty. Um, look at how the points battle, um, just like we talked about last week with Denny Hamlin and and um, Kyle Larson was these past couple of weeks. Look at the points battle between the 22 and the 16. Had the 16 not had any problems in the beginning of that race and, and you know, race to the end, they legitimately both had a mathematical shot of winning the championship during that race. It can come down to the last race. The most of the time people don't win championships, you know, two or three weeks ahead of time, which is the main counter argument to playoffs. It's hap- mm-hmm. It happens more often than not, but it's not every single time. I don't get it. Jared. Yeah, I would just I'll also just point out like the World of Outlaws, uh, Brad Sweet clinched the championship, I think with two races left or whatever, and Charlotte still sold out and actually had enough sales where they're adding a fourth date next year. Yeah. So I think the fans get what they like the fans over at the World of Outlaws and stuff, they don't really complain about the season long format. Like, yeah, Brad Sweet won a bunch of races and stuff, but he was the rightful champion in that series and people still came out and watched the race and didn't have a single problem with that. So I think, see, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Or no, you go ahead. That's the point. I was but see, The point that I, that, that, that you just made is the point that I've been trying to make the whole time. The playoffs are the only reason 
people give a fuck about a championship. When they went to a, a playoff style in 2004 with the chase in the postseason, that's the only time that people started giving a shit about the championship. If you have a good track product, if the racing every weekend is good, people will come out in droves. It doesn't matter who wins the championship because it never did. That was just an accolade that people like us, diehard fans, appreciate. I don't, I don't, dis, the disconnect. It's just yeah. there. Yeah, and I also yeah. agree that the playoffs are the only format that have simultaneously, they've emphasized the championship at the same time as they have devalued it. Like they've somehow managed to do those two things at once. And you, you look at the point that Alex just made, F1, like 2019, Hamilton locks up the title like five races early. Like it was probably the most lopsided title he's ever won. And sure enough, the last couple races of the year were some of the best there was. Like people right. still showed up. They loved the racing. They didn't care that the championship was locked up. Yeah. Yeah. And you see different kinds of racing when the championship is locked up. Um, you know, you see the champion and that not give a fuck attitude. You see other people trying to set it in there with one last Hail Mary instead of trying to stay out of the way of the, you know, the final four. I do want to touch on this comment that we got. If a winless driver was the best in that season, that driver should be the champion. Uh, It's better to have a zero win champion who finishes top five every week than a guy who won four races, but was hit or miss. That was from Christopher Lorenz on Facebook. I agree with him. Um, That's exactly what I'm saying. I'd rather have a full season format where some dude finishes second, third, fourth, fifth for, you know, 31, 32, 33 weeks out of the year rather than a Ryan Newman 2003 situation with eight wins and just as many DNFs. That's completely fine. What I have a problem with is the gimmicky, the points reset to give that guy with zero wins that advantage to come in there and wipe those last three races clean regardless of where he ever finished or in the top or the first 26 races of the Cup Series. You know, you could have some guy squeak his way into points and win the championship. I, that doesn't sit well with me, but I'm completely fine with a season-long format with a guy who doesn't win getting the title if he earned it fair and square. Right. Well, I mean, look at look at what they've done. They've valued wins so much they've devalued them in a sense. I mean, me, you, Nathan, and Jared, we're four NASCAR drivers. I've got the championship probably within reach because I'm third, Nathan's you know second, and Jared's first. Well, Colton, he's – He's out here running in 22nd in points, and we're halfway through the season. What the hell is he going to do? Is he going to try and gain points because he knows he can't mathematically win the championship? No, he's going to go for those dubs. He's going to try and get every trophy for the last 12 races that he can because he can't mathematically win the race or the the, the championship. So what's the point of him going out there and points racing? I don't understand. We've, we've taken wins and we've forced them down everyone's throat so much that it's devalued them over the whole season. And, and, and they've done that, you know, to a, a greater extent with the championship, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely agree. That better. Yep. Hashtag trophy hunting. Yeah. Well, now, uh, with that rant that we seem to get in every week with different <laughs> angles um, over, let's move on. Um, we talked a little bit about Daniel Hemrick. Um, I did want to, before we uh, kind of segue ourselves into the cup race on Sunday, um, what did you guys think of Daniel's celebration? He brought the backflip back. Yeah. It wasn't Carl Edwards tucked his knees and did a nice tight backflip. Daniel Hemrick looked like Spider-Man swinging off his <laughs> flailed out. Yeah. 
six out of ten on the backflip. Good thing he landed it though, because that was kind of iffy. I wasn't sure if he yeah, was going to land it. Like, I think there was a video. Um, Tyler Walker won like a dirt race and he blew out his knee trying to do a backflip. Like just completely blew out his ACL or whatever. And I was like, man, I hope he lands this because if he gets yeah. a little bit wrong, then he's gonna be he's gonna be limping for a while. So. I, I was amazed because I don't know if he practiced this thing beforehand or he just hadn't done one in like five years. So I, I don't know. It worked. So like, yeah, I, I can't fault it. Yeah, it was cool. But yeah, basically, Colton's like, yeah, I've seen it before. And so yeah, it was cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. Well, I don't know about that. I, you know, he wasn't, uh, I guess, tight, uh, you know, in a ball like, like you said with uh carl edwards but he has some fucking air off that like i thought he I, also did but, it off the roof right yeah. edwards so that was floor. yeah it was it i i really appreciated that i was a big uh carl edwards fan growing up i got to see him do his first cut black flip at atlanta um albeit i was on the back straight away and i could barely see it um through all the garages and everything but i did get to see that so i mean it's you know, continuing a tradition that hasn't been there for a couple of years. I thought it was pretty good. Um, that was, I, I can appreciate it. Um, but moving on, I said we were going to get into some other penalties and stuff. I'm going to segue this between the Xfinity race and the cup race. And that is crossing the yellow line is changing a lane. Only if your name is Justin Algar, not if it's Denny Hamlin. Again, different rules for different drivers in different circumstances. Yep. Yeah, I just think that they're so like you, you can't tell what NASCAR is going to do anymore. You just kind of like just talk, like flip a coin. That's what their decision is going to be. So, yeah. So, something I didn't see um, as an argument against that is people probably don't understand. Um, I think NASCAR has a different um, race director in all three of these series. Yeah. So, a call can be the same situation and two different outcomes just because they're two different people so i do want to take you know take note of that if you're at home and you're kind of frustrated and then also of course denny hamlin was a championship four driver so we can't penalize him just like we didn't with noah gregson um moving on um hang on, here, hang on. saying that it's okay like some fans have because there's different race directors it's like saying okay the umpires are different so that's a ball that's a strike it still pisses people off. Oh no, it pisses me off. Okay. Yeah. I just want to notate for any fans that are defending that and saying that there's a different race director, that doesn't make it okay. That's like saying, oh, this guy's behind the plate, so he's out. Yeah, definitely. You know, or different referees for the Saints games, you know. Doesn't make it okay. I don't know. They pay those refs. That's what happens. Um, <laughs> looking at the yeah. NFC championship 2019, I think it was with the Rams. I don't want to talk about that. Um, this is a NASCAR podcast, guys. Um, so the cup race on Sunday, um, uh, the second straight finale in Phoenix. I don't know if you guys uh, saw our tweet or checked out the article that I made. Uh, I think this is not going anywhere unless we shorten the schedule to not be the first weekend in November. Uh, because of daylight savings time, beginning and ending, if you notice, we do that on Phoenix weekends. Both of the weekends during Phoenix, we change our clocks. Because Arizona – does not um phoenix fucking blows as a championship race i enjoy the racetrack but it, it fucking blows did you guys enjoy the race itself um 
honestly, I didn't think it was that bad, but I do think that it was sort of like if I'm taking 550 package racing, then I, I, I hate to say this, but I wouldn't want to go to Homestead because it would just be like clean air, air blocking, deciding the championship. So I'm like, it was almost like a necessary evil to have to go to a 750 track. So I don't know. I don't even care that much about the final race these days anymore. So yeah, I watched maybe the last 60 laps. I was, I watched the Ravens game for the whole first stage and just didn't care to watch the second stage. Cause I saw Chase Elliott was winning and I saw, I heard on, I, I, I mean, I followed along on Twitter just to see how the race was going on Twitter, but that was, I watched the last 50 laps and was like, all right. Well, I was the only one here that said no to foe and did not watch. I kept up on MRN the last two laps just to hear who the champion was going to be um, and then shut it off immediately after that. Well, I, I, I would have not watched. My cable box wasn't on. It didn't record the race. So, theoretically, I didn't watch it. Um, sorry, NASCAR. Um, I may have bootlegged it. Um, the pirate's life for me. Um, but anyways, that race was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It it. I mean, my expectations were rock bottom, so it, it managed to exceed them. Um, there was some good runs in there. There were some um, decent um, passing going on, comers and goers and things like you said, you guys said about the Xfinity race. But all in all, we had a short run to the end, and that's not a short run race. So it was just kind of a bummer. I mean, again. I'm bummed out that we have this one race championship and it's amplified with it being here at Phoenix. Yeah. Um, well, it turns from a one race championship into a one run or a one pit cycle championship. Right. Um, or in the Xfinity case, a one restart championship. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. yeah. Right. Whole season yeah. comes down to two laps, but that's again, another playoff argument that we could still be having. Uh, from 15 minutes ago. Um, I do want to get into some stuff. Early in the race, we had a bunch of incidents. Um, actually, uh, it was two, and it was both caused by Ricky Stenthouse Jr. So, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I mean, he gets um, into well, the, he gets in, he gets into the seven. The seven gets into the 23, junks it. Lap, I don't know, 18 or 19 or something. Then the next restart, a couple laps later, he gets back into the seven, wrecks himself and Corey Joy. What was going on? What do you guys have to say about um, that? I, I don't know. Like it's just your typical lap one race or early racing incidents. Like I know that the first crash they were like three wide, and I'm guessing somebody didn't know they were three wide, and they just they all kind of came together. And then the same thing happened the next time where someone just messed up. I do think that these things happen. I just think that it's different depending on the driver. You know, like if if whoever did that, no one would care. But since it's Ricky Senhouse, everyone was So I don't know. Like, it's just part of racing. I mean, people are weapons. It is what it is. It just, you know, as long as it's not on purpose, so be it. You know? Yeah, I didn't watch the first stage. I missed it. I heard about it. I heard Ricky Senhouse was involved. Not really surprised. Colton's um, going to be, you know, Colton's going to go ballistic. And yeah. so, you know, people shouldn't be allowed to wreck on accident. I hate Ricky Senhouse Jr. <laughs> I know it's coming. Oh, how about this? I'll go. I'll go the conspiracy route. Those guys know they're not going to get any TV time, so you might as well cause a wreck or wreck someone to get TV time. Okay, that's, Jared with the ten. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll get conspiracies for that. Ricky Shithouse, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, I see where Colton's going. My my favorite quote I've said on here a few times already regarding him, especially some people. You know, shit happens. I get it, but some people are in shit more often than not. That's a Stenhouse thing. Um, 
People love to overlook the fact that he was almost fired from Roush a couple times for wrecking race cars. People love to overlook the fact that people in the garage refer to him as Ricky Shithouse every once in a while. Um, or Recky Spinhouse to keep it PG. Kyle um, Bush. <laughs> Kyle Bush called him that. Um, everyone knows it's a cliche thing, and I've seen people say, oh, he's cleaned it up the last couple of years. Fair. He has, but he still does it. Um, no one else, I would argue, and I can look back on this. I will do some research for next week. No one else causes as many incidents consecutively or consistently I do. Ricky Stenhouse. Other okay. than, I will say the Rick Ware cars, because they're pretty fucking bad. I think it depends um, on your definition of cause. Like, if he gets taken out or he blows a tire, I wouldn't Involved that. in. Involved in. Okay. This doesn't count. Like, if Ryan Blaney gets screwed over a million times, are you going to say he's bad because he gets Does Ricky Stenhouse get screwed over a million times? But the, this no. is not an argument for this weekend. Look at those incidents. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. dropped the ball two times in a row. You can't tell I mean, me you watch those replays, and that like, was not all his fault. There's, this I've dude seen, has been doing so well in 2021, and he just flat out was like, Look, oh, and, and with you, like, I do think that we're <laughs> way too judgmental on people. Like, I, I'll be honest. Look, I've seen Denny Hamlin crash three times in like three laps at Texas last year. So I have no room to talk. Like, my driver wins races, and he still does stupid things. It's so. called selective reasoning when you pick out something to excuse every single incident that's selective reasoning and saying okay well this happened this happened this happened at some point yes yeah, shit happens like, but he's in shit a lot more than most oh other i don't excuse it okay. i just go by an incident by incident basis not by like a so, reputation so, basis. So at some point you have to look overall at some first point. race back from covid last year he comes out of he comes out of yeah, arlington and rex that's not his fault i feel like that was probably Agreed. something where it was you know Agreed. loose race car Mechanical failure, what happened? But like, you look, look at, at these two point. incidents, they are 100% his fault. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. I'm not denying they are. I'm just saying <laughs> that I'm just saying that you guys, like, I think that you have to look at the incident as the incident, not the reputation before the incident. You can't just say, you know, Denny Hamlin's a dirty race car driver because he wrecked Chase Elliott in 2017. Like, you got to look at the incident and not the stuff before or after it. Okay, so, so... He is at fault for the incident, correct? I just don't think that... You can say, you know, these things happen because of, you know, the stuff that's unrelated to that, if that makes so sense. So after the 2021 Daytona 500, I could say Mike McDowell's a great race car driver because I looked at that one incident and I didn't look at the entire span of everything, right? He won I the Daytona 500. You don't have to say that. You could look at him winning the Daytona 500. You can't look and say, you can't look at all the other races and say, you know, he's a great driver because of those. Just look at that one particular thing. Michael McDowell's great race car driver. Awesome. Perfect. You're missing. You're missing the point. Man. No, I I get point. your point, Nate. Is that you have to look at incident by incident. So if I take someone like so if Ricky Stenhouse blows a and hits the wall, you're probably still going to call him a weapon. I'll still yeah, because I don't like the guy, right? Yeah, but I know, just like it. Alex you said, like, like Alex said at Darlington, I get that one. That one's understandable. I'm not going to you know sit there and criticize him for that. I get it. There's several of them that I won't criticize him for. I will for these ones. I will for most of the super. Super speedway wrecks that he's caused, not this year, not last year, um, between like 2015 to 2018, 2019. That's fair. Um, I do I look at it incident by incident and say, okay, that one's not his fault. That one, he's fucking stupid. Right. And, yeah, I just and think we're even if it's we're not his fault, we're like, we're gonna say we're gonna say this about him for everything, like related or unrelated. It's just funny to wind you up because I know you hate when I say this. But here, but but the thing is, like when you when you are surrounded by 
this stuff all the time, whether or not it's your fault, it it becomes your fault. Look at Daniel Hemrick. Look at so, how many times he has lost races. So okay, here's over and over and over. But but maybe by his own thing, maybe by a mechanical failure, somebody else doing dipshit so, moves like it like it happened in Atlanta, and people so, still hound on him that he's a shitty driver and he's never going to win anything. Up until you know Saturday, this is the same situation. When you get someone who's always right, in right. shit, he's gonna be shat on. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean that's the thing. But it, sometimes it doesn't make sense. You look at Hamlin. People say, oh, he's a bad. He he chokes because he didn't win this championship, but. He never caused any of it, and it's another case where it's like, you know, perception is just perception is what it is, and whether it's right or wrong, and in a lot of cases, I do think it is wrong. I mean, you can you can definitely say that that Denny Hamlin maybe not himself has choked away championships, but his team has yeah, choked team, away at least team. four championships. Like, well, yeah, that's I mean, not his fault, so therefore he isn't the choker. Right? I, man. But Negative. he's the face of the team. It's that's where the the yeah, one of everything goes. That's my point. He didn't do them. So I will bring up this. Any, I I do agree with this regarding Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse. Any driver who makes it to the Cup Series is a good driver. Whether or not they're successful is a different story. Completely agree. Um, I will say that Stenhouse is a shit driver because I don't like the guy. My Twitter banner for years on Twitter was me flipping off Ricky Stenhouse at Talladega. <laughs> I don't like the guy, right? I will admit my bias here. Um, do I think he's a good driver? Absolutely. I don't think you can win two Bush Series championships um, and not be a good driver. Does he wreck a ton? Yeah, yeah. And you would be, you'd be wrong to say otherwise because yeah, well, that's that's, otherwise. And something else you have to, you know, like, look at is everyone's always gotten a pen. So their goalpost is going to be different than yours. When I say a good driver does this, it's based on my bias is going to be up here or down here. Yeah. If a, if a, if a driver is shit based on my bias, it's going to be up here or down here. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it just so happens that my goalpost for Ricky Stenhouse is in the porta potty right down the road. Y'all just inconsistent. Um, yeah. I, I will admit my bias there. See, I, I don't think I'm inconsistent. I think that dude's a, he's a, he's a great driver. He just doesn't know how not to wreck. <laughs> I love having access so, to comments. <laughs> yeah. So if you're not watching on Facebook, um, we had some updates going along on Twitter and their Periscope, um, you know, continually uh, updating it since they took it over. We can't see comments on Twitter anymore like we used to. So if you do want a live comment, we'll get you on. You just have to do it from our Facebook page. Just search for us on Facebook at FanFuelMSM, capital F, capital F, capital MSM, just like you are on Twitter. Um, and we'll get you on the stream uh, if it fits what we're talking about. So next up, since we're still talking about the cup race, I don't know if you guys forgot that that's what we were talking about, but we are. Um, was the resin too OP? Because in my opinion, I'll go ahead and say this first. Coming out of uh, turn four, old turn four, now it's considered turn two. I'm not going to swap I'm not going to swap. Coming out of four, if you didn't have a run, because that end of the track splattered, like, you, even if you had a run, you could not compete with a car that was running through the resin. This is something we talked about during the spring. Does you guys think that it's still just as bad as the PJ1 being that much overpowered? Yeah, absolutely. Um, all it did, instead of adding multiple grooves, it just made one groove way better than the other ones. It just moved it from the bottom to the top. And 
he heard other like former drivers talk about, you know, I mean, I thought it was, you know, more competitive when we raced you without it. And it's just, I don't, I don't mind it in the, in the last couple corners, which whatever you want to call them three and four now used to be one and two, like it, it helps over there. It just doesn't make sense for that corner because it's, it's wide. Like it's old, it's worn out. It's wide. Like, I don't, I don't see why we need to make the top better because it only makes it harder to pass. I say you just don't add anything for the last race. You know, look at New Hampshire. That put on a heck of a race, and it was New Hampshire for goodness sakes. Like, nobody, nobody would expect New Hampshire to be good. Like, why why do we have to put stuff on there for the last race? If these guys are as good as they're made out to be, they'll find a way to make their car good, whatever lane it is. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a huge fan of Resin or PJ1 or anything like that at a track. Race the track as it is. Um, right. These guys will figure it out. Um, you don't need to add shit. Um, World Outlaws and things like that. They don't specifically doctor up the top side just to you know promote racing up there. Hot and Shield will still find a way to do it. Um, yeah. And I think that's what we need to get back to in NASCAR. Right. Well, that's that's the thing with dirt is like, obviously that changes race tracks. Right. Yeah. There's there's a whole whole argument. Right. There's only two track. racetracks in the in the series where the PJ1 actually worked. It was Loudon. I know that the reason it went everywhere, it was a massive success at Loudon, like 2019, 2018. And that's when they're like, we need this everywhere. And then they did it for like the 2018 Bristol night race. That ended up being super good too. And, and now we didn't like, do it this year. <laughs> and it's like, why didn't they just leave it at those two tracks? I don't why know. did they have to take it everywhere? It's the same thing with the with the big racetrack boom. They they got onto something and they thought it was a success and they doubled down on it. Same thing with playoffs. They always do that. They double down on everything, shove it down our throats and make sure that we know that it's good until it's bad. Um, I, I don't know. I think this is an argument that we've had on here before, and I'll say it again. If, if the racing sucks, it's not because of the racetrack. It's because your cars fucking suck. I mean – you could argue that New Phoenix is a bad track because IndyCar ran four different packages there or three different packages there, and none of those races were good. Um, but I mean, what you saying? Yeah, Texas, Texas, yeah, there are, but, but that one's beyond repair. But at some point, you you got to fix the cars, like, I, I, I think that texas could put on a good show with the right car is it probable probably not because they fucked that track all up but that's eddie gossage and their bullshit um that's why he's gone um forced retirement i'm guessing uh that they're gonna lose a date because of that but that's a different argument entirely i mean fix the cars you fix the racing that is that is what i'm saying hopefully next gen does that if it doesn't then fuck you nascar um, <laughs> come on, that's too much thinking there. That's too much hope right there. So um, I'm going to move on to something that I saw. Uh, and because, you know, I think everybody's a dirty little cheater. Um, and because Denny Hamlin commented on it, uh, the nine got into the five in the right rear quarter panel. And he said on the radio, Denny Hamlin said, oh, that's nice. The five has a parachute. And he started being a little bit of a rocket ship after he got the damage on the right rear quarter panel. I'll, was this intentional? Was this cheating? I'll, I missed, I'll, go I missed it. I'll, I'll go first and say that it wasn't because I'll give you one example. It was Kyle Busch at the two Bristol night races, fall 2018 and spring 2019. He lost his rear bumper cover in both of those races on pure accident. And the car turned up into a rocket ship because it lost that bumper cover. And 
you look at yesterday, he, it just happened in front of the whole field. He kind of jerked right, didn't think he was clear, hit the nine, and that was it. And at one point, I just don't think it's worth the risk of wrecking yourself in front of the entire pack just to get an extra tenth of a second. Like, and plus, you can't control the way that that, that quarter panel is going to bend because most of the time with that contact, it bends inward. You, you can't be – you can't – that's not – you can't risk a whole DNF over a couple of tents. So I like if, you know, if they did this in the pit stops, then yeah, for sure. But there's just too many moving parts to justify even taking that risk. I will take the opposite claim, put on my tinfoil hat. Hell yeah, it is. How low are you going to finish in points? Fourth? You got a nine win season. Most people are going to be like, ah, he deserved the championship anyway. I mean, the car wasn't even that good after the contact. It was only good on a short run. It wasn't good, but he won the championship, right? Yeah, but why would you wreck yourself so on the whole field to do it? He didn't, though. It was a strategical wreck. Yeah, I, I'm not I mean, the way he was doing. Mess that up by like an inch, you're in the wall. Your day's done. You know, like I'm saying, saying it missed. was. I'm saying I get the risk. The risk management involved in that. There's a way higher payoff than it is wrecking yourself. So I, I'm not saying it was, but I'm saying just, being that you I ran into your own the teammate, the reward. It raises suspicion. I just, yeah, I, so I, I, the only I reason suspicion. I just think it's a wrong incident to choose this for. I think the um, I think the only reason that I'm going to say is not cheating is that they didn't swap positions in the nine do it to, because that would make that would make sense if you say okay we're going to bend up this little bit of the quarter panel on the five. Uh, oh wow, the five is three tenths, uh, tenths of a second a lap faster. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna come back to you. He's gonna let you pass him, uh, and he's gonna do the same thing. That that's I mean they could do that with code words and, and whatnot, but I, I think that's an easy easy way to say that they would be cheating. Obviously that didn't happen, so I, it was just yeah. a fun little thing to bring yeah, up. But I, I racing. sometimes yeah. dominoes fall your way. Sometimes you know sometimes I think Jeff Gordon had this happen in a Charlotte race where he spun out and his car was damaged and the the way the damage was ended up being an aerodynamic help to the car and he drove all the way through the field and finished second. So. I just I, I get the suspicions because this stuff happens every now and then, but I do think we, we we're probably reaching like like a little bit. What's not to reach? I mean, we got our tinfoil hats on. We're we're always trying to shit on something. That's what we do here at Fanfield Motorsports. All right, if um, we're gonna go, if we're gonna go with that, I'll pull out that Kyle Larson didn't have a one. He missed a lug nut on one of his on his uh, left rear tire. If you look at some of the picture championship pictures, if you zoom in on that, he does not have a. There's not a log nut. So if you look oh, at this, yeah. you see this graphic no, that I made. You see this graphic that I made here. If you zoom in, okay, you're only there. getting a fine. So I would do it. The the Gibbs cars miss a lug nut every week, and I think that that's perfectly worth the risk because if your team can afford to pay the fine for a missing lug nut, then you can just you can means, do that. And it saves you time yeah. on your pits. That means if your team is half of the championship four. You can afford to wreck one of them trying to get that arrow advantage. Yeah, take, yeah take, I mean, I can course. I can agree with that. I mean, I, I really can't agree with that. Just, but I mean, if he wrecks with the nine, that takes out both of their cars, though. And then now Hendrick has no time for. It was open. Like it's like I mean, there's like well, if they miss a lug nut, who's to say that wheel doesn't come loose? Yeah, that's true. But uh, how much is okay. it? No wonder they had a quick, quick quick pit stop. They only got four lugs on them. Yeah, yeah. So I would like to say something because I fuck Tony Stewart for even making this a problem. 
Um, when they were only putting three lug nuts on the cars, I thought it was a great way to to potentially um, go out there and do something to have a, a quick stop. And I thought it was really good strategy-wise because if you push the limit too much, you could really fuck yourself over. So I think that was um, – I think that's fine. Um, we'll get into a little bit about lug nut penalties later, though. Um so next up, I have the ship boxes ruin another run to the end. This again is some Denny Hamlin bias. The 13 car blows a brake rotor, and with the long run ensuing, ruins any sort of strategy that the 11 or the 19 had of running the five down. Do you guys agree with that yeah. statement? What do you guys think? Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, I was I knew it was gonna happen. I was like, man, Hamlin's got a, the fastest car in the long run before the green flag stops. He's running. He's past the 19. He's running. He passed the five. All he has to do is make up half a second on the nine, and he's in the lead. And before you know it, you got Anthony Alfredo cuts a tire. You know that that's the first caution. And then we're running like 30 laps to the end. The other that one was a 60 lap run. And yeah, it, it it was upsetting, but at the same time, like these things happen with low budget teams. I mean, Ryan Blaney had two brake failures this year at Darlington and Nashville. So it, Chase Briscoe had a brake failure at Nashville as well. So I, I do think that these things are more likely to happen for the, the low budget teams though. Like their parts just break. Yeah. That was just unfortunate with how that whole played out there at the end, because that's actually the parts that was, I was actually starting to see. And like, I saw that like, Hamlin was like, I thought Hamlin was like in, prime position to get that if it kept staying green the whole way but then that caution completely screwed all that stuff up and or heck it even almost screwed up the whole thing because there was a caution during like i know truex came into pit this is whenever i started like watching truex came down he came to pit and then the caution came out i'm like oh this could have been real bad if like he'd get dramatic imagine like it getting screwed over just because there was a caution while you're pitting and you're done like races over like alfredo blew a tire like the instant truex hit pit road which wasn't surprising because it was Anthony Alfredo, but I mean, blowing a tire is blowing a yeah. tire. Like, it yeah. it's like, yeah, a, but yeah, it's just what as gets lot, me. It's, it's what gets me is is how how did how did the nineteen get off pit road? Like, mm, mm. that one irked me because I thought that he was going to get caught on pit road. Because I was I was uh, with the person I was watching with, I was like nobody's going to come down early because they're going to run to the end of this fuel run because if a caution comes out, they're going to get fucked. And then I'm laughing because that happened to the 19, but he somehow gets off pit road safe. I, I'm putting my tinfoil hat on to that one. I think they, I think they changed the caution procedure rules for that. Maybe yeah, they did. I agree. I, I don't, I don't. I, I mean, I shoot, it's, this is, this is, this is just Denny Hamlin's luck. If that race goes green, Something screws him over. If the race has a caution, something also screws him over. So, like, it's inevitable. You just pick your poison. Cautions have impacted half of the championships in this yeah. format. I'm not right. going to say four out of eight. That's half. You want to know a real tinfoil hat one that I have, like, still to this day, is the final caution in 2018 when Logano was, like, second or third. Uh, I think Brad Keselowski actually got in some sort of crash. Where Daniel he, did. he did. He did. He and did. He got loose under he the bed. Spun he him. Did. And I'm thinking, I'm like, to this day, Bro. I'm like, man, I wonder if that wasn't a mistake. You know, mm-hmm. like Logano's got a short run car, and they set him up with a short run. So I'm yeah. like. I know exactly what you're talking about because there was an article about that that I read. I'm like, did he cause yeah. the caution to help? Oh, yeah, 
that irks me about that because that was 2018 2018 i don't like like that really like that, that that doesn't sit well with me and not because joey logano won the championship it's just... i just I, I was rooting for kyle bush because i'm like he was the best driver that year he deserved the title oh, oh man i was in college and i was like you kyle bush was winning this thing he won at phoenix the week before i'm like he's got all the momentum then i'm like oh wait we have this format yeah, but without the format, guess what? Even um, even without stages, guess what? The big three that year, Martin Truex Jr., um, Kyle Busch, and, and Kevin Harvick, they were within eight points going into Homestead. Um, so I, that's a different mm-hmm. argument for a different uh, – That's pain. Um, 2018 is just painful. Yeah. It's straight so, pain. Yeah, I'm like, I really don't want like Logano to win this. And I'm like, that was was the last year with the best, with the better arrow package, too. Then we had 2019. Everything's been downhill since then. Yeah, but unlike that year, this year we had a dominant driver win the cup championship. So, what do you guys think about Larson winning this championship, and what kind of a year did he have? Nathan, I'll let you go first. I'm, I'm really happy about this. I will admit he did get lucky in that race. Like, he was probably the fourth fastest car of the final four on the long run. And he gets a bunch of short runs, gets a good pit stop, gets out of there. Which, I'm not mad about it because I think that he deserved the championship. So, I think that he deserved to have that good luck because of his body of work this season. Like, if anyone gets good luck, I'm happy with it being him. Yeah. I mean, a phenomenal season. And uh, I know that we wanted to all kind of just appreciate Kyle Larson for a bit. I mean – I've said before, off track, I never really liked Kyle Larson, but I will always say he's probably the best talent uh, in the world right now um, as far as driving race cars. I mean, let's list the accolades from this year. Coke 600 win, championship in NASCAR with 10 wins. I mean, what? I mean, Chili Bowl was this year as well. I mean, what else has he done this year? Kings Royal, Knoxville Nationals, Prairie Dirt Classic, um, Bristol Night Race, that's another big one. Um, all-star race did you say all-star i did not yeah he he won that too he won on i think i read this statistic somewhere i don't know where this was but he won on three road courses he won on ovals and he won on dirt ovals like he's one of the first people since like mario andretti or aj foot to actually do that in the same season like yes that's ridiculous it is and uh i think there was a a Twitter thread about it being one of the greatest seasons in motorsports history. Um, I so, yeah. so I, that's, I was I mean, going to ask directed to you, Nathan, oh. when you think about some of these great years, do you think about other drivers like Mario Andretti and then Dan Gurney and the like? Yeah. I think that those, like, I think there are some years in that thread that were like, those are never going to get touched ever just because like, it's impossible to race all these series. Now I think AJ Foyt won he won a NASCAR race. He won like all but three IndyCar races, the Indy 500 in the title. And then the one year he won, I think he won on every different type of track in IndyCar, whether it was dirt, paved, road course. He won Le Mans that year. He won the Indy 500 that year. Um, stuff like that's not going to happen just because of what the way racing is now. But if you're just talking like the modern era, like 2000s and up, then I don't see how Larson's year is going to get topped unless it's him doing even better than he did this year because no one else does it, you know? They, well, hopefully he'll join the Rolex again and, and get an Indy 500 run. Like we were, we were discussing a couple of days ago on Twitter because I would like to see him just go out there and win, you know, a gauntlet of different races in the same year. Yeah, I want to I mean, see an attempt. That's all I need. 
Yeah, he won. I think he won two of the three of the biggest, highest paying uh, dirt races, like their yeah. crown jewels, because he did what, like Nate was saying, he won Knoxville, he won the Kings Royal, and then he almost he almost won the Williams Grove race, which is another high paying. But he won two of the three highest paying or like sprint car races this year, and then he even won the biggest late model one, and he barely races late models. I think this is only his second season running late models, and I think it, I think he, I think he has like less than ten starts in that series, and I think. The race that he won, I think he led like half the race, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. I will go as far as say that I don't like people, you know, I'm, I don't watch dirt very often except for like the Chili Bowl, but I don't like people, you know, new, like 12 year old NASCAR fans that only watch NASCAR. They're like, oh, he races against plumbers. So what? You know, like, like no, there's some talent. The there's best dirt drivers there are. There's, like, there's there are some real no better sprint car drivers than those guys. It's, it's not like going to the Xfinity series where it's second tier everything. Like, he's literally racing the best dirt drivers there are. In yeah, the and, and I'd say they're better than than, than drivers that are yeah. driver only like we have in the Cup series and stuff like that. Just because these guys have full-time jobs, but they also work on their cars. That's something that we don't get from the from the premier series like Formula 1, IndyCar. And, Kyle Larson you know, doesn't know anything so. about race cars. And he yeah. yeah. destroys everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, the Chili Bowl has the best dirt talent in the country. We have guys like Tyler Courtney um, that he's facing up against weekly. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on with the list of dirt names that race in the Chili Bowl. Um, however, when you put him in a Keith Koontz midget, it, it changes the playing field. Um, I will say that those Keith Koontz cars, regardless of who's in them, whether it's Rico Abreu, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, they dominate Chili Bowl. So I would – I, I, I think it's a bigger achievement to win that than it is to win the cup championship just because of cup series, right? 40 drivers versus 400, um, yeah. you know, but take that with a grain of salt. Cause he is racing a Keith Coombs midget. Right. Which is, I mean, it's like racing a Hendrick car when the rest of the field is Rick Ware racing. Right. It's, I don't want to take it away. It's not even this. close. Yeah. No, I agree. He's against the right. best dirt competition. Not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying the chili bowl, obviously, because your equipment advantage, but he goes out there and he does this in other dirt cars against other top tier races where you're going to have a collection of top tier talent. Like it's not just the midgets, you know, he goes out and yeah. runs everything. No, I agree completely. The only way that he's going to top this season, and it's going to be Kyle Larson to beat this in the modern era, um, is if he wins the Daytona 500, Williams Grove, and he wins the Australian Nationals. That's that's the only three things he can do, in my opinion, within reach. Um, outside of something like a rare Indy 500 bin, uh, bid or et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's the only thing he can do to top it. Yeah. We'll probably win Daytona now that you said that just to yeah, not with his luck on super speedways. If he's he's got to go through the 11. So yeah. <laughs> he's got to go through the 11. That's Denny Hamlin's racetrack. Um, so, uh, but moving on, let's go to Walker Joe. That's going to be the last thing that we talk about tonight. Got a couple of stuff. To, to talk about, but we'll still get in stick it with the championship. The championship ratings on a downtrend for the last seven years had a slight uptick this year. Woke or joke? Oh. Nate, do you want to go for No, oh, I guess I'll go, go first. first. Yeah, okay, um, yeah, let Nate go first. I want to see okay. what he thinks. I was, I was waiting for Colton, I'm like, oh, Colton's gone. So. <laughs> um. I would say it's woke, like it's it's a small victory, but then again, I think it's a joke that NASCAR hypes this up so much because it's like you're only going up like a hundred thousand viewers, and 
you're still only half of what you were in 2016. So like, yeah, it's a small victory, but in the grand scheme of things, they're still losing. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Joe, because if they're going to hype this up, it's like, oh, look, our TV ratings are up. I think the only reason that the ratings went up is you had all the dirt community tune in to the race because Kyle Larson was in the championship. Cause you know, I follow a bunch of dirt guys on Twitter and I saw them all congratulating Kyle Larson. So I'm pretty sure if Kyle Larson isn't in that championship, you don't have all the dirt community watch tuning into the race to watch. So I think that's a strong reasoning on why the ratings were up a little bit. I think if, like I said, if he's not in that, I think you see it maybe another year of decreasing just based on that fact. And there's a lot of people in the dirt community. You got the, all the late, you got the whole late model community. You got the whole sprint car community. Like you, just everyone in general, there is like watching, wanting to see Kyle Larson succeed in another series. Yeah, I agree. Um, that the majority of that, and granted, we're talking about 3.2 million people that watched this race last weekend, as compared to about 3.05 last year. We're talking about 150,000 people difference. That doesn't sound like a lot when you put it that way. Um, you talk about the dirt community. That's where a great majority of those came from. Uh, Jared and I are in a group on Facebook called Worldwide Sprint Car Fans, and that whole group is like 50,000 people, and they were all talking about Kyle Larson on Sunday. Um, that's a huge market of it. Do I think we see these ratings if Kyle Larson isn't in the finals? Absolutely not. Um, I think that he brings in a crowd, and all these people were anti-NASCAR a year ago when Larson got fired. Um, so, I mean, you take all of that popularity that he has with the dirt crowd out. I don't think we see these again. And granted, 150,000 people, that's, that's not a ton. Um, that's Concord, North Carolina. Yeah. I'm going to have to go joke as well. Um, this format sucks. You don't lose, you don't lose half your fucking viewers in five years. If the format doesn't suck. Um, this is the second different track. This is the third different arrow package. Um, maybe more, more so than that, but I mean, you go from the raciest place that we race at to the diamond in the desert, which is not really a racy racetrack. It's a driver's racetrack. It's for strategy and stuff. And you crown a champion on uh, at best a, a one, uh, a, you know, a two lap showdown on green, white checkered because it's nice and, and showy. Uh, and at worst, a, a just total dominance run because nobody can catch a guy that hit the setup. Um, that, it, I I think it's a joke that it went up. I'm I'm mad that it went up. You know, we said say no to foe. I did watch it, but you know, I was on the I was setting sail with the with the black sails on the high seas, watching not necessarily um, with the cable box. You know, a few rooms over watching it. So how did the ratings go up? You guys pretty much nailed it on the head. It's probably the dirt community. Um, say no to foe. I, I hate this format. It, it should have went down. Um, moving on to more rating stuff. I do want to kind of branch out um, to the whole season. Uh, today, Adam Stern tweets out, and I'm going to pull it up on Twitter, so bear with me, that the ratings top 10 markets um, from this season. And Knoxville was the top market for the Cup Series on NBC Sports Channels in 2021 amongst Greenville, Spartanburg, that's South Carolina, Greensboro, High Point, North Carolina, 
Charlotte, North Carolina, Hartford, New, New Haven, Connecticut, Richmond, Virginia, Louisville, Kentucky, Birmingham, Alabama, Nashville, Tennessee, Dayton, Ohio, and Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. Um, all that stuff's in the South except for basically Dayton, Ohio, and Hartford, New Haven, Connecticut. Um, and Cassie Fambro says, oh, you mean not the West Coast. So this is a two-part woke joke. If the um, excuse me, excuse me. If the West Coast is not watching and is not that top market that you told me three months ago was our top market for NASCAR, why are we still doing three thirty p.m. Eastern start times? So this is a dual one: Woker Joker on the start times and Woker Joker in the West Coast, not even in the top ten. Oh, am I going first or yeah, 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 let's keep the, let's keep that right, rolling. Keep the rotation going. Well, keep the- um, I'm first of all, I'm gonna go joke on the whole blaming the time thing because look at it this way: like you don't see other people blaming outside circumstances for their failures. You know, you can't just say that you can't like they've started races at one o'clock in the 2000s and nobody cared. It was still a very popular sport. It wasn't the start times that made everything go down. It was the decisions they made with the rules and the formats, all kind of stuff. So you can't just keep changing start times and saying, "Oh, this is going to fix everything." Like they, they've they're they're looking at the wrong thing, and and now they've basically ruined it for the East Coast people that are the majority of the people that watch the races, just because they want to blame that for their own failure. So I, I think it's a joke on both points because. If NASCAR was good, West Coast people would watch it no matter what time it was. Yeah, I'm agreeing. Joke, 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 big time joke. I mean, NFL starts at one, college football games start at noon. Nobody cares about that. Like, I mean, if you're a fan, you're going to watch when it's on. So that's pretty much basic mm-hmm. and simple. Like, why are we trying to, like you said, why are we trying to please the West Coast fans that aren't even in the top 10 rankings? So NASCAR has said that it's a, top viewer market they didn't say how top they didn't say top 10 it could have been top 600 for all we fucking know um they could have been ranked 597 through 579 okay so i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you right there colton when they said what they said uh, about four months ago they said that there was 5.3 million viewers the ratings show otherwise because the top was 5.9 million viewers and so they would have been in the top 10 i i agree but have we seen them fudge numbers before? Yeah. Uh, definitely. Um, and to Nate's point, um, they haven't ruined it for East Coast because East Coast is still the number one market. Um, so, all I mean, the only thing they can do at this point to get the West Coast audience in is A, change the format, B, run all of their races out there, or C, change it to 1 a.m. start times for the East Coast to make sure that their only fan audience is in California. Um, other than that, East Coast is still your bread and butter for NASCAR. That's why a lot of NAS- people want to be associated with NASCAR move to fucking Charlotte. They don't move to Austin, Texas. They don't move to San Francisco, to L.A. They move to Charlotte because that's where everything is. I mean, it's it's asinine to think that your market is anywhere else. So here's the thing. Um I agree with you, Colton, but I also think that we need to have a presence on the West Coast. However, however, we're doing that with the Clash. I think the Clash is wonderful. We're going to talk about that later on in Woker Joke. When it comes to, like you say, the bread and butter, it's obviously on the East Coast. 
East Coast fans are very more, much more beneficial to have these 1 p.m., 12, 30 p.m. start times because they get to go home earlier from the racetrack. They get to do stuff in the afternoons that they can't because they're setting it up. And I I know that the ratings would be better if I didn't have to go cut the grass or go shopping or whatever because it's Sunday and I got to go to work on Monday. And I think most of working America who watches NASCAR, which is, you know, a blue-collar sport, would agree with that. When you look at when you look at stuff like that, that's one thing. And then I tweeted on there. I said, I'm telling you, West Coasters want breakfast NASCAR. Just like when I'm watching F1 at 7 a.m., that shit's awesome. If I was a West Coast fan, I would love to wake up at 8 or 9 in the morning, put some coffee on, make myself and my family some breakfast, go sit my fat ass on the couch and watch NASCAR at 10. Because you know what's happening at 1 or 2 p.m. when the race is over, depending on if it's a wreck fest or not, I have the rest of the time to go take them to the park, to go to watch a movie, to go cut the grass, do all my chores, grocery shopping, stuff like that. Those West Coast people watch the NFL at 1 p.m. Stop giving me this bullshit and then providing me numbers that are asininely, um, you know, in the opposite direction because all of those markets – aside from two, Nashville and Birmingham, are in the Eastern time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there's for the West Coast fans, there's less NFL games from 8 to 12 than there are from 1 to 5. There's less shit to do from 8 to 12 as there is from 1 to 5. Um, your East Coast fans, obviously, are going to tune in no matter what. Um, and to the point that I saw on Facebook here from Drew Mason, when is it that those same markets are never in the top 10? They always are. Always. I'd even argue that Sonoma and Fontana and Phoenix, it's still those same markets that are watching. You're just fucking up their day at that point. Um, and I like this. You can't drink chalky milks all day if you don't start in the morning. Right. Get those what? West Coast fans hyped. Breakfast NASCAR. Let's go. Let's come fucking on. go. Like, come on. Shit. Start, the, start them at 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm down. I don't care. I watch... I will watch a Suzuka race at 2 in the morning. I watch V8 Supercars. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks with the Bathurst 1000. That thing comes on at, at 2 or 3 in the morning and goes until, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. Breakfast NASCAR. Come on. The West Coasters want it. Trust me. I'll move to the West Coast if you do that. Yeah. No, I agree. And this, this last comment makes a great point. NASCAR needs to focus on its core fans when making these decisions. Do that and the race will take care of itself. We see that already with Formula One. Formula One has cut their deficit in NASCAR from being 10 times less popular to half. Um, just by doing their same shit. They don't change the start times to focus on the U.S. They do it anyway and U.S. fans are tuning in. So why are we changing our start times to fuck over the prime of our audience just to appease the several hundred thousand that may watch in L.A.? Yeah, and there's a fun fact about that that ties into it. Um I remember a couple of years ago when F1 tried to do the same thing, like, oh, we could increase our American viewers by making the start times a little less early for them. And then they're like, you know what? This doesn't make a difference. Let's just put it back to where it was. Yeah, right. Breakfast Formula One. It's fucking awesome. Let's go. Jared. 
Yeah, NASCAR just doesn't seem to care about its core fans. You know, they keep changing all these things, and we want all short tracks, so they decide, hey, I think a street course is a pretty good idea. And they they completely ignored the fact, like, hey, we could get North Wilkes-Barre or Rockingham. They're like, yeah, we'll see about that. We want, we're focusing on the street course that we're going to add in a couple of years. But that that just sucks, and you like, there's a reason why there's viewerships down. There's a reason you see crowds at Atlanta and Texas the way they are. I mean, those places used to sell out. Like you can go back and old watch old race from like 2000, even the mid 2000s, and you'll see those places are packed. Even during like the NFL season, like there's people there, and I think those are your core fans that you need to try to get back. But you keep pushing them out because you keep seeing these changes of the formats, changing of just everything. You know the aero packages and stuff, and it seems like even with us, like there's not an episode where we're not complaining about something that can easily be fixed or changed. It's just, they're, I think they're just trying to reach a new crowd. That's just not there. You know, like F1, like they did, everyone says this F1 did a really good job with that documentary to get people interested. You know, when NASCAR does, we put a comedy sketch out there. Yeah. Yeah. We got, yeah. What is this? Yeah, but I mean, it's not out of the realm because that's what we did in 2006, right? We we had Herbie Fully Loaded, which was a kids comedy. We had an adult comedy with, you know, Talladega Nights, and then we had a just amazing animation. Uh, I feel like that, you know, that's different Pixar's though at that cards. point. In my but opinion, I feel like that was, was like popular. reasonable because we that... really, it was a mm-hmm. pop culture. It was a pop culture reference more so than a ploy to get new fans. Mm-hmm. That's what this year's Netflix swing was like. Oh, let's just make a comedy about NASCAR right now. Where I feel like at least in the mid two thousands, when those all came out, that was like prime peak NASCAR. Then, like there was always sponsors and stuff on TV. That was like when racing went side his best. You got all these up and coming drivers and stuff. Like that was like a prime opportunity to do it. This year just seems like forced. It's like a hail mary. Like oh, let's try to get yeah. some Netflix fans in. Yeah, you know. So I feel well, yeah. 2006, there was a market for those kind of movies. Now it's a force to get new fans to view NASCAR. It's it's the complete opposite. Before it was trying to get NASCAR fans to watch this movie, and now it's trying to get people to watch this movie so they watch NASCAR. Complete yeah. Honestly, yeah. Plus, point. yeah, yeah. Plus, like with sponsors and stuff, like at least in that movie or whatever, you know, Old Spice was sponsoring a car, Wonder Bread was sponsoring a car, and that you know, you think of like Wonder Bread or something, you think, oh, Ricky Bobby, NASCAR, right? So it's all like those kind of ploys. You know, I didn't, I didn't even watch the new Netflix series, but I assume it's like nothing even close to like sponsors and stuff that were involved. Yeah, it was, where it, it was a fake sponsor. Yeah. So yeah. So point proven. At least with Talladega Nights, you got all these sponsors and stuff that are throwing money into that. Like even Applebee's too. Like that. I know it's not a NASCAR sponsor, but Applebee's was a big, pretty big sponsor in that. In that was a Mike Harmon sponsor. Yeah. So yeah. Point proven. We did sponsor a truck once because like the founder of Applebee's had like a son that raced in NASCAR. So like Applebee's, like that might have helped Applebee's. You know. (laughs) I am surprised they didn't sponsor Mike Harmon. Yeah. yeah, like I'm really surprised. It was so Kim George Jr. That was the dude who drove the Applebee's truck. I'm pretty sure. Dude, Nathan is a freaking walking encyclopedia. It is incredible. Well, like, we all used to be that way, but now we're like I saw the, the green Applebee's truck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't um, know what he did. Big, I just big know brain. Drove Applebee's truck. Big brain. So we, we have ranted pretty much all night long, but Let's continue to do it. It's still Wilker joke time. Um, so SMI just bought the assets from Dover um, Motorsports, and that includes Dover. That includes 
Nashville Super Speedway, and that also includes South Boston, if I'm correct. So what do you guys think of that? Is that a woke or joke move? And as a, uh, an add-on question, what do you think that means for Nashville Super Speedway down the line? That's that's a fat joke, Like I'll be honest, because I've always liked the little – like I wouldn't say Dover Motorsports is like independent, but – they were one of like they were one of the two groups that weren't ISC or SMI. Like it was Pocono and it was the Dover Motorsports tracks. Those were it. And now, now that Pocono's last one, I'm sure someone's going to acquire them. They're going to do something stupid to reconfigure it and ruin that track for good. And and now it's like, what are they going to do to Dover? Like, are they going to mess around with it, take it away? Or are they going to mess around with National Speedway, even though it was perfectly good? I mean. I just don't like all these perfectly good racetracks getting owned by a track company with a history of screwing things up, which is SMI. They they messed up Texas. They they we don't know if it's going to screw up Atlanta or not, but they they altered Atlanta. They 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 altered Kentucky and screwed that one up too. Dirt it so, over Bristol. Yeah, they, like they, they, this company has a history of messing things up, and now they're now they're now they might mess these two tracks up. Oh, why do you see that's terrible, Nate? I can't believe you brought Pocono in this because if that happens, I'm the, yeah, I think I love that's gonna Don't be that's, I, I think that's gonna be my line of not supporting the sport when they take my Pocono race away or reconfigure the track oh, or like that. Uh, that's that's all you make it like progressive banking, make one at like 40 degrees. They'll like, probably tear it down, make it a short track oval or something like a triangle. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Just, but they'll they'll make oh, I don't even want to talk, or they'll make it a road. I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about that. That's terrible, but I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm piggybacking. That's an absolute joke. I think. You're gonna one. You're gonna see Dover just get completely kicked off the schedule. I think Dover's like as much slack as it gets. I think it's still a pretty decent market. You got it's like a little different. It's like a different type of vibe there. I've gone to, I've gone to Dover twice now, and it's it, it's like a different vibe there. But I feel like it's a good type of vibe that you go to. It's just something different, and and it's another east, like a northeast. It's in the northeast area, and we don't have that many northeast races anymore since they keep taking all our dates away. Like I'm from North, I'm gonna be biased too. Like we have New Hampshire got cut down to one race, Pocono got cut down to one race, Dover got cut down to one race. I'll even count Michigan in that court. It got cut down to one race. So the, I think that's still a market that you need up in those areas because a lot of those fans don't feel like. But for me, like all those races down south in the Carolinas Road, that's at least like eight to nine to ten hours away from me. Whereas I can go hit my Poconos, my Dovers, my Richmonds, and all those in a span of five to six hours. So, but yeah, it's just more of I think Dover's going to end up getting the chopping block because you know I guess there's a vocal minority that probably say they like the track. So the only positive I could possibly see about coming this purchase is Dover gets lights. But again, that's me being too optimistic that'll happen. So most likely now that I said that, it'll probably we'll probably get... just ruin the track. Yeah, there I are. Think... Go ahead. Keep finishing. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think either it's either getting cut from the schedule, or they're gonna put lights on it. That's. I feel like there's no in between on there. I don't think they're gonna spend the money to like reconfigure it because, like, what are you gonna do? Make it like a mile Bristol? Like, it's already a unique enough track. Like, if you go to, if you actually go to Dover, it's really cool because I always sit up in turn one, and it's really cool seeing the cars coming from the straightaway, dip down, and then go right around. 
like the banking. And then you can even see it out in turn three. Like it's like a nice, it's like a roller coaster ride. I, think, I don't know if any drivers have commented on that, but it's like a real unique, it's a unique racetrack and it's difficult to drive there, whether or not it puts on good racing or not. It's still like a difficult track. It's a, it's a fun, difficult track to drive. At. So I don't, I don't see why you would need to ruin it. But then again, it's that company that bought it. So they're probably going to ruin it somehow. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure they will, and I'm scared. Like that ties in the point. Of the Pocono. It's like, they buy po- they buy Pocono. Guys. I'm 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 worried. I'll be they're, shaking in my boots. They're home and they're just like, I'm scared, man. Like I'm terrified. All right, Colton, is this SMI acquisition woke or joke? <laughs> He's gonna say woke. It's it's joke. Just, just kidding. It's joke. There's only two things that could make this acquisition good. It's lights at Dover, and Cena Night Race. Barring they don't take the last date away, it's lights at Dover, and it's bringing the Cup Series to South Boston. I'll even settle for Xfinity or Truck for this fucking point. I love South Boston Speedway. I think it's awesome. I think them acquiring it, they have something that they want to do with it. That's I'm looking forward to that. If there's any silver lining in this, that's what I'm looking forward to. However, going back to all your guys' point, SMI is notorious for ruining fucking racetracks. Um, and I have no doubt that's what they're going to do at some point. They're going to change the Dover logo to have their little red and blue fucking little 24-hour looking car on there, and they're going to fucking ruin it. That's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to take out all the banking and make it you know, a 14-degree track. They're going to do something dumb with it. I know damn well. But they could very well revamp South Boston to make that into a cup race. They could get take Dover State away and give it to South Boston, which is – I would bet what their overall plan is for both those tracks. I would. I mean, I, bet, I bet a thousand bucks right now. That's what they're going to do within the next ten years. That's I think I'm you doing. guys are all wrong. This is a woke. This is this is woke. I mean, SMI's got money. Dover does not have money. Dover was in in shambles, losing money, and would have lost a Cup date anyhow. That's why they gave one away to Nashville to try and rejuvenate the fact that they have a contract with NASCAR. Um, here's the thing, SMI, whether you like the decisions that they are making or not, are trying to do stuff for the fans outside of NASCAR's bullshit ass 550 package. That's why they've resurfaced Atlanta. That's why they tried with resurfacing Kentucky and Texas. They know that they have failed a couple of times. They're going to lose Texas most likely. I I think that this is good because it's going to get... It's going to get the Nashville market more on their side. And I feel like this acquisition is going to give us Nashville fairgrounds. That's good. But at the same time, I don't want to get rid of the Northeast market because a lot of people in the Northeast, they do like their racing. Who like, said like, anything about like Dover leaving? Racing, all that kind of if stuff, they're so smart, they wouldn't let Dover leave. Dover they will. Host- you just did. You just said Dover's dying. I know. Dover was going to lose, but they don't have money. They needed money. They they were in. They are going to lose a date without this acquisition. That was going to add Pocono. Wilkesboro was in that same fucking boat in 1996. They didn't have money. They got bought out. Axed. And now they're getting money, and they're going to be putting so much money, ten million dollars into that. I think that I think that you guys are a little bit too doom and gloom. So when I'm no five years later. when I'm 50 fucking years old, I'll see money get dumped back into Dover and maybe it'll come back on the schedule. It's no. not going to leave the schedule. It's not going to leave the schedule. 
It's this not is going anywhere. They I'll know they thousand dollars right now. Dover's last date gets taken away, put to South Boston. They, they're not. They're not. They will. I, they will. I mean, I Dover need, Dover's not going to get upgraded at all because they've lost seats in the last schedule, couple years. If they put a South Boston on on any series, it's going to be Trucks or Xfinity, maybe Arca at most. I do not think that they would use the asset that they just bought as a fucking parking lot. Bro, they would just they they make would, the casino bigger. You know what they would do? Where, where's the track in Dover? Where's by an Air Force base? By Air Force by the base. It's in the middle beaches. of fucking town. Of course. Why would they not sell off that fucking lot? It's worth a ton of money. It has to be. Gotta build the mall, right? man. If I'm wrong, Dude, it's I'm already wrong. by it's already it. by malls. Like I, I've got it's Uh-oh. literally I've, in the middle I've, of town. It literally, if you take that speedway out, you can just add a bunch of outlets there, and it'll blend in perfectly with the town. Because like the way I, like the way the way I go, the way I go to the race, you're like right. There's either the highway that can take you to all the beaches and stuff that are in Delaware, but if you're going into the town part, it's like malls, 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 outlets, malls, 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 malls. Oh, hey, there's a speedway. Malls, malls, malls. Like that's not a joke. Like that's actually like what's around that speedway and if you drop i think heck you see people i think it's like a home depot or something that's literally like right outside the racetrack and you see people tailgating and parking in there they're literally going to turn that into a fucking parking lot literally bro i i know what they're gonna do like jared said they're gonna threaten pocono it's like hey if you guys don't sell then we're removing you from the schedule so they're gonna buy pocono they're gonna make it like they're gonna do something that like butchers the track beyond repair. They'll make and, it a sh- they'll make it a short track or something. Yeah, they'll make it a short. They'll make it a short track. Ridiculous, like a like a street race or something. It'll be like Who a knows? short. I'm scared. Like, uh... it'll be a short track triangle that they'll try to make because like I, oh, I, I, Nazareth. Nazareth is gone. They're they're never going. No, but they're gonna that. turn Pocono to Nazareth. I'd be fucking down with that. No, see, I don't think they're going to do anything to Pocono either. Pocono always has a good crowd. I don't know why they stripped them of a date. I think that was threatening them. If ISC buys that property, it, it should be fine. I mean, Michigan still has the date. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna mess up Auto Club. But yeah, that if is ISC it is. buys it, it's okay. If SMI buys it, then they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I think like, that's ISC what's going to wind right. up happening. I didn't see this acquisition coming out of anywhere. I think it's going to be good for the sport, despite what all you guys think, doom and gloom wise. It'll be what it is. Um, so Oops. for our next point, let me make sure we got to clip um, this. Yeah, we're clipping this. I remember we argued this about Atlanta, and like half of the drivers hated it. Like in the reaction, they're like, "Wait, what? Were we paving this track?" And like all the drivers got like super mad. They're like, "They never told us." They got this. mad in 2015 when they wanted to re- repave it, despite the fact that the track. Has been a shithole since 2013. That track has sucked because it's in a state of of disrepair because it's too old. For the cars. Well, I mean, that's the cars are a whole nother thing. I I, and I'll agree that the they literally built track racing. It'll be. It would have been better if they still had. Many Daytona. Right. They literally built the track with the sole intention of like this, this is not where we were supposed to go. So I'm gonna kick. Yeah, did, get us yeah, back did on you the see? The, did you guys see the iRacing sim? That's pack racing, and iRacing like, is 100 percent working. It, it, it's fine. They're trying. Steve They're felt, trying. Steve it is what like, like, we hate the slot car package. Why do we like them building a track for the slot cars? 
Because if they weren't slot cars, we're going to yeah, watch what happens on we're going to watch what happens on Saturday, and you're going to say this is a badass racetrack. I'm telling you, the Xfinity Series is going to put on a thing. Why are we talking about this? I don't know. Anyways, um, <laughs> I have three episode. more points. I have three more points. Twenty minutes of practice and ten minutes of group qualifying with a next gen car. Woke or joke? Uh, that's a joke. I, I think that. At what point are they going to be like, what's the point of showing up as a fan to practice if it's going to be 20 minutes? Like, what's the point of going to the track that day? Like, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm like, I'm not going to spend like 50 bucks to go buy a general admission ticket to go watch 20 minutes of practice and like a 10 minute like qualifying thing and then go home. Like, there's got to be other events for me to watch. If they put it on a Friday, then like, what if it's the only event that day? Like you gotta make it a weekend. You don't just say, "Oh, here's ten minutes." I'm going joke. They they say they want to boost for the fan experience, so they're gonna tease us with a little twenty minute practice session and a group qualifying session that absolutely failed recently. So put that, that's just not that's just not fun. Like Nate said, like who's gonna buy a ticket just to watch a twenty minute practice? You could like you people wait in line for to go to the bathroom longer than what the practice session will be. Right. Like at least even like an hour and a two or one hour sessions. Like, I don't see how that's going to hurt anyone. Like, how does that literally hurt anyone? Like, or, like worst case scenario, you burn through a set of tires. Like you're still saving, you can save money and stuff still like that. It's one, like 20 minutes. Like that's nothing. Oh, and apparently the rumor is, I'm glad you brought that up, Jared. They're going to be using the same set of tires in both these sessions and to start the race on. Oh dear. This is a joke. I take 20 minute shits at home. What? Like, how are you going to do anything with the cars? Not only that, but we've heard a lot of people talk about the next gen cars. It's incredibly hard to change a lot of these bigger parts out. Um, it's going to take you a hell of a lot longer than 20 minutes to do anything other than change air pressure, put wedge in the car. That's all you're going to be able to do. It's a brand um, new car. You know, you're, you're saying, oh, we want to bring back the fan experience by giving them this. 30 minutes of extra on on track activity. Well, compared to the whole weekend, that's like saying, hey, NFL fans, we're going to give you a better experience by letting you see the field goal kicker kick two extra practice field goals before the fucking game. <laughs> right. Ooh, come in from your tailgate. Come see this. No, I'm not going to spend money on that shit. If I'm going to a track, I'm not going to go the whole weekend unless there's tons of on track activity like there used to be. Or I'm just going to come on Sunday and I'm going to tailgate in the parking lot. I'm going to show up. An hour before the race starts. That's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to. That's all there is to do. Like, no, that, that, okay, I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's nothing at the track. There's not going to be fans. If there's no fans, there's not going to be nothing at the track for the fans to do because sponsors aren't going to spend money to put in the midway for there to be fan interaction. Why are you going to cut out a big part of a reason that people spend their hard-earned money, take vacations for? To, to come to a racetrack where they want to watch one-hour practice sessions multiple times a weekend because they want to see cup cars on the track Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If you can't handle that as a sport, then you don't need to be putting on shows because you can't afford it. I'm sorry. If F1 can do it, if IndyCar can do it, who makes less money than you in viewership and sponsorship, and if V8 Supercars can go out there and do it, what is your problem? This is a complete joke. And it's a slap in the face to anyone who thinks that they want to go to a racetrack and watch these cup guys multiple days at a time. They won't have any time between practice sessions to get autographs and stuff like that. It's a complete joke. I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm yeah. pissed. There's, there's a few good comments here I want to touch on. 
Um, this is a great point. This is just your Comcast in the head of the race. That's exactly what it is. Um, they're just going to take out, and granted, they're going to keep that competition caution. You know, pay no mind to that. They're going to keep it. But this is just your extra little comp caution in there before the race. Um, I want to see them bring in the legend cars. Bring in the Grand American Modifieds. Um, you know, bring in some other classes. That would entice my experience more. You know how you substitute this these hours of on-track activity? You bring in other fucking classes. Let me see some Grand American Modifieds, some Wheeland Modifieds, some legend cars run around the fucking course at Charlotte. Let me see something like that. I'd pay for a camping trip. So I pay every month $5 to watch Superview. Superview is the Australian V8 Supercars um, streaming service through YouTube TV. I can go back and watch every event from this season. Every event has two or three days depending on what they do, and they are eight to nine-hour streams. Eight to nine hours they have on-track activity, and the V8 Supercars, the premier shows, they have multiple practice sessions, multiple qualifying sessions, and multiple races each day. But also they have Super 2. They have Stadium Super Trucks at some of these events. Um, they have Formula Australia. They have um, uh, Australian Motorbike Championship. They have the Aussie versions of Legend Cars. They have Aussie Muscle Car Competitions, the Porsche, Porsche Australian Cup, and then they also have another GT3 Australian Cup. And these are interchangeable. There is always cars on the racetrack. The most that they don't have racing going on is the 20 minutes between sessions or the 30 or 40 minutes between the start of the Premier Series races. Why aren't we doing that? Yeah, I agree. And um, Jared, I want you to touch on the World Outlaws here for a second. Um, another comment is, Fans can't drink enough beer for practice and qualifying to be worth it. I'm sorry, but if you want extra sales, if you want extra everything, you got to have fans there. And fans aren't going to come out for an extra half hour of track time. They're not for one series. They're not. Yeah, here, I'll, I'll just jump into the comment that I was thinking and that I put in there. World of Outlaws. I know I keep bringing these up, but they do a lot of things right. They run their series, a lot of their series, with one of the, like your local plumber series, as the, some of the fans would call it. Like, you know, you, sometimes you got your Charger series running with them. Sometimes you got, I think I saw a four-cylinder sometimes, but they will co-op with one of those series, and you're going to get all those local fans there. And then you're going to get the outlaw fans there, but then your outlaw fans also get to see all the locals guys there and all your local fans are going to get to see the war of outlaws fans like show. So I think basically what Colton was saying, if you have some sort of different series going on with it, besides that, maybe you would get more people or if this next gen, another idea I had, which I know will probably never even happen just because of the charter system or anything. It'd be cool if it was like world of outlaws where you have like, uh, some of the like one of the local drivers or whatever get funded enough to have a car entry or something you put like a one of those like bounty things like hey if you can beat this many amount of like cup guys or whatever you get a big paycheck and then those fans can watch this guy try to run through the field but i know it's like that's not happening with nascar unfortunately yeah i would agree and another um point i remember is if you go back to the 2018 brickyard 400 um this race, like all the practices got rained out in this race and it ended up being like a good race. And I know people after that were like raving, they're like, oh man, this lack of practice really made that race unpredictable. You didn't know who was going to be fast. And I feel like ever since then was like a turning point in the sport 
they saw that and they're like, we need this everywhere. And I think that, yes, COVID obviously played a part in it, but at the same time, I think they would have headed down this road anyways, based on their reactions now. Like, I think without COVID, like, like Christopher Lawrence commented this just now, he said that they can't hide behind COVID anymore. And I agree because at whatever point, they would have done this anyways with or without COVID. I think that that Brickyard race kind of, kind of set their heart on it and, now we're here that's the 80 percent. i just yeah i don't understand why they keep doing things that make the at track experience worse because you cannot make new fans watching on tv i'm sorry it doesn't i don't care how good of a race it is if you don't take your friends to a local short track or to a nascar track and say this is what racing in they don't get to experience the sights the smells the sounds and the atmosphere of the fans they will not enjoy watching racing on TV their first time. I'm sorry. I've tried it many a times. I've been doing this for 20-something years. I'm 26 years old. I could, you know, race car was my first one. I, I know how to how to make fans, and it's not on TV. So you've got to have the at-track experience be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I want to bring up the point here that I saw a comment Um from Cheyenne. That's what makes half the fun of watching at your local track. Um, when I take people to the local track for the first time, and even when I just go by myself, I go early. I watch the hot laps. I watch the timing in. I watch all the early shit because that not only sets the precedent for the night of who's fast, who's not, um, but if I'm bringing someone for the first time, they see the buildup from hot laps to qualifying to the first you know, events to the heat races to the main event, they see that whole buildup and they get stoked for it. Um, you got to treat NASCAR the same way. You really have to. That's how you grow fans. Alex's point. You're not going to get them on TV. You're going to get them by taking them to the track and seeing single car runs and seeing this and that building up to that race. Yeah. So I think we pretty much exhausted um, our rant for, for that Walker joke. Um, we can just call this fan fuel rants um, tonight because that's what it's basically been. I got two more for you guys, and they both involve the Bush class for next year. I want to say without a doubt that we are going to a one lug nut tire next year. And Ben Bayshore just got penalized for having two loose lug nuts on Kyle Bush's um, car, and he will be suspended at the Bush Clash, is that woke or joke for giving him a penalty? I, I don't even know. Like, I think it's a joke because, like, they're penalizing them for a rule that won't even exist next year. Like, there shouldn't be a lug nut rule next year because if you don't have the nut tightened, then your wheel's going to fall off. So, I, I don't know that. And I also don't even think, like, it's the Clash. What is penalizing a crew chief for, like, a bullring race on a football field going to do? Like, I'm sure the crew chiefs are probably thinking about the Daytona 500. They're probably not thinking about this exhibition race where they're just going to drive around and tear stuff up. Like it's like a, it's a completely useless punishment. Yeah. Like if you would do it for the 500, I'd understand, but like the clash, like, like, Oh no, Oh no, I'm missing the clash. It's I'm not going to get really any data on this race because we're literally not even going to get to a hundred miles an hour probably at that track. So think, right. Like what, like, even if they did suspend it for the Daytona 500, that'd be stupid, too, because there's no more London rules. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this rule's not going to exist next week, but we're going to suspend you. Yeah. Yeah, it is a joke, because if they don't get that lug nut tight next year, if they don't get one lug nut tight next year, they're fucked. Yeah. yeah. Simple as that. Um, joke. I mean, 
I, I'm going to echo you guys' points, but I want to say this as well. Uh, the, the rule itself was stupid the whole time anyways because you have a guy that puts lug nuts on the car for, you know, his job, but you're suspending the crew chief like, to, like it's his fault. I, I, I alluded to it earlier. I, I hate that Tony Stewart made this a safety concern, made this a penalty. I've always thought it was a stupid penalty. And what is Ben Bayshore going to do, you know, I mean, like – to change that. I don't get it. He's going to be gone for the clash. This is not a good look, in my opinion, for NASCAR because while you guys have said that they're not going to learn a lot, I think they will for a short track package for like a Martinsville, for, you know, even up to, you know, the breaks for, let's say, New Hampshire and Phoenix. I mean, this is an important race and you're stunting one of the most popular drivers by having his crew chief not there. Um, I would vote to put on a better show um, for your West Coast audience since we're going out there. And let's go ahead and move on to the final point of the night, and that is the Bush Clashes format. So um, I'll, I will run down it quickly if necessary, but I think everybody under understands it here. Essentially, we're going to be qualifying, and qualifying puts you in the one of four heats. Um, if you're uh, the multiple of ones, you go on – you know, heat one, multiple of twos, multiples of threes, multiples of four. That's how you're based on your heats. The top certain amount of those go to an LCQ uh, or go to the feature and the rest go to an LCQ. There's two of those LCQs. The top certain number of those go to the feature. There are 22 spots to be earned through racing. And the 23rd spot is a points provisional for whoever finished highest in points that had not make it made it at that point. So is the Bush Clash format. Walker Joe. Honestly, I don't want to, I can't declare it yet because I haven't seen it in action. Um, I don't like, I'm not as big into like local racing. Like, I don't have as much of that around here. So I'm sure if I had more local tracks around here, I'd probably see like heat races and qualifying stuff a lot more often and I'd understand it. But I, I think it's just, it's, it's going to be a circus anyway. So I'm kind of like, I'm just going to wait and see because knowing NASCAR. It's probably going to end bad, but you know it is what it is. So I don't want to. I'm not going to call it a joke, but I'm sure it could be a joke. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm going to go. I'm like 50-50 on this, but I'm going to lean towards woke just because I think this is one how the uh, truck race at the dirt at uh, the dirt should have done, or how the Bristol dirt should have actually ran. Trucks at Knoxville. That's what I was trying to say. The trucks at Knoxville should have ran. I, the only thing I don't understand is like, why are we bringing the whole field to it? Like maybe this is something we should have saved for maybe Bristol dirt to try or an all-star race to try or something. I, I don't know. It's like, I'm 50, 50 on this because I don't, I'm not sure how it's going to play out yet, but it is, it is nice that they're taking a page out of the world of outlaws and copying their format to try to try something new for these like fan favorite West coast fans. If, they're going to do gimmicks. These are the right ones to do. To do the heat races, to do the last chance qualifiers, etc., etc. This is what I fucking want in my gimmicks. God damn it. I want the choose rule. I want heat races. I want this, that, and the other thing. I don't want playoffs. Um, I love this comment. Any of you that watch the Chili Bowl know the passing points are fucking complicated. If you can't handle me in my Bush class format and my heat races, you don't deserve me at my Chili Bowl passing points. I love it. I love this fucking format. I wish we did this for every race except Daytona. 
I 100%. Well, well, hold up now, Colton. We do this for Daytona 500. What are you talking about? We have the duels. We've been doing heat races. Not the same. Forever. Not the we, same. Yeah, it's it's the same. This is woke. The, I love this. No, I love this. Fucking, it's the great Kyle value Larson version. Crash in a duel and misses Daytona 500 starting spot. Kyle Larson can crash in a heat race in the Bush Clash or in the World Outlaws and miss that feature spot. That's well. That can Here's happen. The thing. He's not going to do it in the Bush Clash because he's going to be locked in on points. He's the only person locked in to that race. I love this format. It is supposed to be a chaotic atmosphere. It's going to be a quarter-mile racetrack in the Coliseum. I think it's crazy that we're doing this as the first next-gen race because some something's probably going to go wrong. We're going to spend a lot of money crashing these cars. It might turn into a shit show, but I love this. They were going to do heat races for – the Bristol dirt race. I hope they come back. And if we're going to, if we're going to have multiple days of racing, why not have heat races as our shows um, going forward? Because if you don't, um, if you don't like this, you're just going to have to get, you're just going to have to get out of here. I'm sorry. Just wait. They're going to see this. They're like, Oh my God, we need heat races everywhere now. Cause you remember when Xfinity had like those ridiculous heat races? That is not a heat race, though. That that that, that was it. We that, need heat that, races everywhere. That was a precursor to stages. And those that races were not terrible. heated. Those, those races. They didn't eliminate anybody. That that yeah, was not technically. Like, why would they have them then? They're gonna do this. So why do we have the stages now? That's the exact Bro, same thing. They're gonna do this. They're gonna be like, all right, we want heat races everywhere. They're just gonna be like, okay, let's put a heat race for like Kansas or whatever, and then they're gonna be like. Oh, this is so exciting. They're not going to eliminate a single car. They're just going to do them for the sake of doing them. If they eliminated cars, they could do it everywhere. Fuck it. Why are we going to have a 20-car field at like a mile-and-a-half track? Like, what's the point? Don't the point it. is to shorten the damn races down and increase the on-track activity. You can make it a six-hour day with heat races and have the main event. I want a 500-mile big track race. Bush race I do too, but apparently we have short attention spans. Hey, you can get I, you do have, you do heat races. You do I'm heat races. You get four. You get like, saying, like you can get four quality ever. finishes. You can have they can yes. get, get to have four green white checkered finishes for that. I think that'd be great. I, I honestly, I honestly like now the Col- now the points that Colton are saying. I honestly would not be upset if we did this type of format. Maybe have the feature a little bit longer, but like do those formats except for your crown jewel races. I, just, like, I, I think you guys are ruining NASCAR right now. I'm with Nathan. It's already like, ruined. No, no, it's it's we don't this, need is, to ruin this is like if yeah, fans have short attention spans, this is perfect. I think I think I agree with you based on the meme. I think this is great for an exhibition race. I hope they do the same thing in the All Star next year. I hope they say that Texas is not the All Star and they and they make another short Street track. Course. Hell, use the fucking uh the quarter mile legends oval on the front straightaway at, at Texas Motor Speedway. Make that the all-star race. That's good. I agree I'm with this. That's a W right here. Let's, 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 let's keep this. But if we're gonna have fucking gimmicks, let's do them right. If we're gonna have gimmicks like the playoffs and all this other bullshit, let's do them right. If fans have shorter attention spans, like we keep hearing. 80%. Nothing fixes it like heat races and running look, look, seven look goddamn here. races a I'm day. A, I'm on no, no, no. Look at this. Like you, we're the ones that say if something works in one place, we don't need it everywhere. So why do we need heat races everywhere if it only works for certain things? It's uh, I only want it at the Bush yeah, Clash and the Bristol like dirt, dirt race because the Bristol dirt race whatever is already an abomination. We don't need this for NASCAR. 
Crown jewels don't need to do them for those. Red if we horses don't need, don't need like, to do oh, them. Let's make every race twenty miles. That'll help. If I'm just saying, if we're gonna do gimmicks, let's do the right fucking gimmicks. Let's not do. No, it's wrong. This other stuff. Big, it's still a wrong okay. gimmick. The gimmick is Here, still here's wrong. The thing. I'm not disagreeing with Cole, you. I'm saying we I don't will, need anything. But I will say this: if we're gonna do heat races, the only series that I think it works in is short tracks for the truck series and the bush clash, and that's it. Yeah, we don't need it for like a 500 mile race. Well, here, here's the thing. Like, I, I, I see where Col Colton's going with this route. If we are doing gimmicks, he's not saying we should do it. But if we're if we're already at the gimmick stage, like with stages, with competition cautions, with playoffs and stuff. So if we're going to continue doing gimmicks, I can see where he's saying like if we're going to keep going down this gimmick path, we might as well do it the real? gimmick path like, right. I would straight. I, I would see straight that. I understand the point. If we got to this level, because like. I know that it's a correct gimmick, and I know that it works in, like, other series, but, like, if I wanted to go watch that type of racing, I would go watch that type of racing. I wouldn't go to NASCAR for it. Like, But like, you're going to NASCAR for the playoffs. NASCAR does. Like, they don't need to, no, like, oh, no, we we're not. like, this and break See, ourselves. Nathan is bringing up your here anyway. Bro, look we're at this. here because look, we want look. a series to be what we right. used to know if it I'm as not well. good, it, like, like, okay, I'm we're not already gonna, in a hole. Right, we're digging a hole, and it's like there's we're no too point. deep. There's, there's no point in just like we're not just gonna be like let's just kill the whole thing. Like, oh, if I'm, I mean, if as long I'm as Steve Phelps is in charge, it is. So, bro, if I agree. I'm good at like if I'm good at soccer, I'm not gonna go try to be a baseball player. That's Agreed. basically what we're trying to do. We don't need gimmicks. I am all down for just like we I used know, to do like, for decades. I'm on the heat. We are going to gimmicks. Let's do the right gimmicks. That's not the right gimmick. I hate that idea. But no, playoffs no, are Colton, what you're saying. Colton, no. The right gimmicks are to do stuff during exhibition races. And that's what we're doing. But they're doing you stuff. Did, I'm saying. Let, let me just ask you this question. Very seriously. Yeah. They reduce the Bristol night race to 250 laps. They're only going to start 24 cars and they run heat races. Would you really take that over a 500 lap Bristol night race? That's a crown jewel. I'm, it's not. It's not. Would I take that over a 500 lap race? It's to Jared's point, it's a crown jewel. But it's if I could exchange that for all these other shit that they're running, absolutely. To be honest, I'd probably fly out there immediately if they got rid of the stage breaks. If I'm saying stage breaks, not points. If they got rid of the stage breaks, Whoa. and if they got rid of the fucking playoffs, I'd book my ticket right now if they announced that. 100. I'd rather watch that. But the, the prime prime solution here is to get rid of every fucking thing and just run them like we used to. Yeah, they, got, right, pop, so they here, got popular. There's that a comment way. that I want to make a point on, and he mentioned someone mentioned that F1 has heat races, so it must be working. I'm like, no, I hate I hate the sprint races in F1, and now they want them everywhere. Like F1 is trying to do the same gimmicks that NASCAR is doing because they want to. Let's be honest. Computers. Other than the wrecks that happened in Monza, nothing has happened in th those three. Yeah, like what's races. the freaking point? Like, I get it for like F two or something where they where they're like where it has a meaning, but like, what's the what's the point? This episode has really gone off the rails. It has this been is two hours. <laughs> two hours. It has been two hours of just going crazy over random shit that we weren't even planning on talking about. Um, I will say this. It's been a little bit fun. I'm really frustrated. Um, you guys are, you guys are really, uh, 
See, now you got people wanting heat races at freaking 500 mile Daytona. Like, well, we Cole's have to do it. That's what we need, point. right? This is the episode where fan fuel breaks up. We're all pissed at each other. Oh my god! Why? We're, okay, so, we're bringing okay. in our inner Steve Phelps so, right now. We we do twenty four cars in the main event at Talladega. We're gonna take this five hundred mile race, make it a two hundred fifty mile race with twenty four cars because we had four heats. Like I I, I can't I can't. I can't. I can't either. You like, guys are killing me right now. You're killing me. Man, let's just make the Indy 500 heat races now. See what happens. Make it the Indy 150. Fuck it. No. <laughs> Yo, do you not see what's wrong with that? I don't. Okay, guys. I'm we'll sorry you if you're if, what? if you're okay. still listening. I'm sorry. Um, if you're still watching, I'm sorry. We've we've devolved into something that fan fuel was not supposed to be. We have embraced meme culture tonight. Um, this is not our normal thing. Come back next week for quality content where we'll be talking about heat races and um, B mains for an actual series that runs that way. Um, my my dad, who was at the Dirt Track World Finals and is um, going to, I guess, the first or second ever Peach State um, race at Sonoma this week, will be here to talk about World of Outlaws series racing, the World Finals for the Dirt Track series, and. Um, that is going to be the first of very, very many unique content um, shows that we do during the offseason. We've got a lot of different stuff slated. Um, it's going to be anywhere between, uh, like we said earlier, Formula One, V8 Supercars. Uh, we'll probably talk about Petit Le Mans as well next week. Um, some dirt stuff, um, some documentaries and stuff that we want to see, and all kinds of different stuff over the offseason. Um, you guys are going to love, we're not going away. We're not going anywhere. We're not one of these podcasts who's going to shut down for the off season. We will see you next week. And if you're not following us at Facebook or on Twitter, it's at fan fuel MSM capital F capital F capital MSM. Thank you for listening on Spotify, Apple podcasts or wherever else you're listening. And we will see you next time. All right. Bye.